This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm John Abraham, joined by Damon McDonald. Uh, I need to apologise, we were supposed to be recording about 12 hours ago, but I postponed that because I was offered a free dinner, and Joel Abraham doesn't say no to free food, Damon. The yeah. situation is, right, so we have um, the new cohort of teachers at my international school who arrived uh, yesterday, no, two days ago, and I'm not part of the new teacher committee, but me and Mally are here, so we offered to help out. We offered to help them go apartment hunting, so... We went with them yesterday to look at all these apartments, mm. and they're all shit. But uh, we're just we're just there to answer questions, make sure they're not getting ripped off, you know, point out where bus stops and stuff are. And we got two free meals because of that. So the first one, I, you know, I'm always campaigning for this new teacher committee that they should take the teachers to have Chinese food. I think you know you got to make a good impression with the local food, local culture. So sure. they never listen to me. It's always just mediocre Western food. And I get it. I mean, I've heard all the reasons. You know, people have got kids and stuff. People are fussy eaters. they got food allergies, whatever. But so th- this is the choices for lunch we had yesterday. Dinner, another story, but lunch, right? So imagine you're arriving in China. This is your first impression right. of, you know, Chinese food, the, the wonder that this, this great country has to offer in terms of cuisine. Okay, here, here are the choices. Spaghetti bolognese, <laughs> cheese pizza nine inch, Choice. chicken Caesar salad, tuna potato salad, oh, tuna fuck. sandwich with fries, ham and sandwich with fries, club sandwich with fries. I wouldn't even take that if I were going to fucking Newark. <laughs> I know. I thought, I, was, I thought maybe this is just me being a, a food gatekeeper, but I thought that's a disgrace. You live in a country was- that is notorious, infamous for the wide, diverse... Uh, eclectic flavors on the palate of the tongue, and that's 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 the start. Yeah, that's that's shit. That's a terrible job. Yeah. So we had that incredibly mediocre lunch, and then did all the apartment hunting. Then in the evening. This is why I postponed the podcast recording. We went to a tapas restaurant, and I was sitting with two vegetarians <laughs> and my wife, who doesn't eat a lot of food. And just people who didn't seem to be that... I was sitting next to the uh, headmaster who was sort of getting up out of his seat and going and talking to everyone. So basically, I was just rinsing all the food. I was just destroying it because no one else was eating it around me. And we had little mushroom, like deep-fried croquettes. We had Spanish omelette. We had, uh, like, fried shrimp with garlic and chili. There was that jamón ibérico, you know, that really fancy, expensive Spanish cured ham. Yes. There was steak, like really good quality steak. A there paella? Uh, yeah, seafood paella, seafood. Oh. What's the, the paella that's done with noodles? Fidwa, I think it's called. Uh, no, I'm not familiar with the fidwa, but yeah, okay. No, no one else was eating any of this stuff, Damon. It, like, it seemed to be just me. It's just this little... I must have consumed like at least $200 worth of Fuck. food nice. in one meal. I'm proud of you. That's, it was incredible. That's, that's a good job by you. Um, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Very proud of myself. You know they were jet lagged, right? They were probably a little jet lagged. They were from all the travel, but like they didn't just get off the plane, did they? 
No, they've been there for about, I'd say, 24 hours. Okay. Well, that's even worse, longer. actually. It's the second day that kills you because you, your first day you're running on adrenaline. You can't believe you're there. You're excited. You're nervous. All that shit. Second day is when it, you know, the body starts saying, okay, no more adrenaline. Fuck you. You're dead. And then, uh, yeah, that's where Joel slides in. <laughs> and, and takes advantage of the meal. Good, good work by you. That's good. And I'm, I'm sure all the other teachers were like, look at this fucking pig. This he- yeah, heifer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing, though. Like, the funniest... So, again, scheduling. G1 is the worst. And it it's always has been when we do these shows. Because it's... You know, they do three shows in a row, and then there's an off day in the middle of the week, and it's like, okay, you know, anytime we do this, it's going to have the shelf life of, like, you know, 24, 48 hours, and you just got to learn to accept it. It's part of doing this, um, but we're trying to, we were trying to figure out, and I get, a, I get a text from Joel of, how committed are you to this 9 o'clock meeting? And I was like, oh, I, I can't, I, you know, I got this hard... I, I got this meeting. I got this call. I gotta. I gotta do. And then he was explaining. I was like, "Oh yeah, I think you gotta. I think you gotta go to this thing." And you know, I know you don't. You're not a big party guy. Like you're not a big large group guy. Uh, and I get that. But yeah, it was a, if there's food, I'm there. Yeah, it was a gutsy move by you, and it paid off. That's what that was. That was a gutsy move of something that eh, a little uncomfortable, a little outside my box. But look at the payoff. But all the great fucking food you got uh, on their dime. So that's how it's done. You're 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 an expert. How does your barbecue go? Barbecue was fucking good, dude. I didn't take any pictures, but um, that 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 uh, pork shoulder went all night long in the smoker. I woke up. I tell you what, my neighbors were jealous. Jealous. They, uh, they even mentioned it. What were you cooking? It smelled so good. I was like, well, let me tell you something. Uh, it was good. It was really good. We had it like. Pretty much, I had it for like four days straight. <laughs> I had so much of it. Um, I got sick of it. But yeah, it's good. Like, it, like it's the easiest one to do, though, because all you do is you just, you know, you kind of load up your smoker and and um, and you just put it on and let it go and just kind of make sure the temperatures are, are like at the 220 range, Fahrenheit range, 225, maybe a little bit higher. Um, and if you do, if you set the charcoal right, it kind of takes care of itself and you, you just do it. You know what I mean? It's not like ribs. Ribs are tough. Brisket's the toughest. Like, you could fuck up a brisket so easy. Super easy. That's really hard. So if you get, like, good brisket, that, you know, that's skill. Ribs are harder, um, but this is the easiest one. So, yeah, just went overnight. It was great. Outstanding job by me as well. And then uh, Talk to me about, like, seasonings and what, what did you serve it with as well. I want to really try and picture this. Gotcha. So we had it on uh, soft rolls, soft potatoey rolls, right? So very soft... Um, type of, of roll, I guess it would be like the equivalent of like what you would put maybe like hamburger sliders on, right? That kind of roll, like white castle kind of thing. Um, and then you put the pork on top of that. So the seasoning and the rub is uh, sugar, brown sugar, uh, paprika, onion salt, pepper. Uh, what else is in that? Like garlic salt, whole mixed mash of shit. Um, so it's like a sweet, at first, and then it's a, it's a spicy at the at the back end, um, and it makes this, like this beautiful bark on it, right? So it's it's got this uh, smoke, uh, the smoke flavor in the meat. It's fucking good, dude. It really is. 
It really is good. Like I, I was really into barbecue one time in my life. I was really like obsessed with making good barbecue, and then I just kind of felt because it's hard. It's not easy. Like just making sure that the temperature is right and all this shit. Um, I even had this like electronic doohickey thing that you put on the smoker to regulate. It had a fan on it, so when the temperature dropped, this fan would kick in, and it would blow air into the hole in the smoker to make the coals hotter to raise the temperature. Uh, if if it got too hot, it would it wouldn't turn on. It would kind of cool down. Um, so it was this thing that self-regulated. I was fucking obsessed with it. Just like everything in my life, dude. I get super hyper obsessed with it for two months. And then I kind of like, ooh, I, I level out. And then if I stay with it, it's something. But I, there's so many things in my life that it's just like I get, I, I get that way. And it's just like, boop. There was one time, and I told this story before, where uh, the NHL hockey went on strike. And they didn't play a game. They didn't play a fucking game the entire season. They had a lockout. And I was like, oh, what am I going to watch? What am I going to do? And I actually watched NASCAR. Ugh. The car is going around in a fucking circle. Uh, no, the only reason you're watching that is hoping that someone crashes, right? You know what? I will say this about NASCAR. Is that they present their sport. And I put that in air quotes. Um, really interesting. Like... They have sensors all in the car, so they, you know, they monitor everything, and they give you all these stats about, you know, drift and fucking. Blah, blah, blah. So that kind of, I was like, I was really into that. Like, I'm a stats junkie. I love stats, and I love analytics in sports. Um, like a guy's tendencies to, you know, to, to score goals is on the left side beyond the ten foot marker, or whatever. Um, I like I like that, and they did that a lot. So that's that's kind of like, but like I didn't give a shit about you know the racers or anything. Like I just I just couldn't relate with that. But yeah, I like the analytics of it. I thought that was cool. But that was like one summer where I was like, okay, I'm all in. Then I was like, what am I doing? I live in New Jersey. Stop it. <laughs> so thankfully, that uh, short term nature of your obsessions doesn't apply to New Japan Pro Wrestling. It does not. But I will say. That probably in when in the two thousands it was probably my lowest interest. That was probably the time where I was probably watching the least. And you know, again, you know what it really helped was what was it? Ustream before the network, you could get G one and you paid like a hundred bucks and you got the G one. And that really was one of the beginning factors of me really getting back into it. Getting that and like watching those shows, I was like, "Fuck, this is getting good. This is getting really good." And that was like 2014, 13, 14, maybe. Um, now you can get G One for what less than twenty dollars? Unbelievable. Two months worth. Of... Yeah. Do you think they're under charging for that? Do you think they should be charging more for G One? I really don't think they expected the audience that they have in the sense of the majority of the people that have this, this network are overseas, right? They're not native Japanese. So I think that surprises them. I think they always knew that there was somewhat of a fan base, but they never really went out of their way to support it or um, thought that it, there was money to be made. But I, I've said it all the time. I can't believe from where I started in this to where we are now in the, in the availability of just watching shows live and hearing a Kevin Kelly call it, you know, in English 
and and watching it in, in, in somewhat HD. It's pretty fucking amazing. I got it. You know, every you know, every once in a while, I have to stop and reflect and be like, man, you wouldn't be seeing this shit. You just wouldn't be seeing this shit. So yeah, I mean, as much as I bitch and moan about how much I hate the, I think the internet is an unbelievable tool for shit like that. Like shit, like again, Spotify, any song I want at my fingertips. It's fucking amazing. Um, yet I hate it as a communication tool. I just fucking hate it as a communication tool. But for shit like streaming and and availability of media, I, I, I'm blown away at it every single day. Yeah, if New Japan next year were to say. New Japan World's subscription for July and August, because you're getting such a high density of good quality stuff, instead of $10, is going to be $50. Would mm. you say that would be outrageous? Only because of the market, it, I think people would go nuts. Um, I, I can't imagine them doing that. I could see them doing... And I'm not saying not. And again, I'm not saying that they are going to do this or that they would do this or anything like that. And I guess this is kind of feeding off of what the WWE Network is doing with their tiers and stuff like that. I'm surprised it's not an additional thing um, for Wrestle Kingdom and G1. I'm kind of surprised it isn't. I'm glad it isn't, and I don't want to put things in their head to raise a price. But um, again, the market kind of dictated the the 9.99, so they went with it and. They probably could have charged more, but um, again, they're trying to grow a fan base, so I don't think they're trying to price people out of this shit. I think, truth be told, if they could find a way to do it for free just to get more eyeballs on the product, I won't be surprised if they would do it, <laughs> especially in the beginning. Maybe not now, but especially in the beginning. Yeah. Well, uh, Harold, if you're listening, don't jack up the price. We, yeah, please, Harold. We've decided Thank against that. There's the birdie. I've got a couple of plugs before we get started. My episode of Cruel Summer mm. on post-wrestling, where WH Park and I had a lovely chat about the 2007 G1 Climax Final between Yuji Nagata and Hiroshi Tanahashi. So if you have a look for post-wrestling, their podcast feed, you can find that episode. We also recorded an episode about the 2017 final between Kenny Omega and... Tetsuya Naito, but I guess that won't be out for another month or so. I would guess you did too. Uh, so you did too. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get asked back. I didn't get. I, didn't get I, I, I specifically asked to do two. Oh. I really wanted to do that 2017 one. So he has you another. Listen to me twice. I know. I, I I always enjoy listening to you. I listen to you on the Smartcast. I li- yeah? I swear to I you, should plug the Smartcast more, shouldn't I? You should because you do a good job on it. You get to uh, get to scratch that other itch for the other talking about other promotions. Um, you do a great job. I th- I I love it. I don't know why. I just love listening. It's like it's almost like um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like uh, I don't know. It's just something soothing. It's just something soothing about listening to you three beans on toast motherfuckers <laughs> talking <laughs> talking about pro wrestling. It it just makes it it really puts me in a good frame of mind. So uh, I like it. I enjoy it. So if, if you listen to this, yeah, I think you should listen to the Smartcast. I, I, I enjoy it. The, the backstory for the Smartcast is me and Sipsy as a Smartcast. I've been going to, I met him by going to Arsenal matches. And the first Arsenal match we went to was 2006. So I've known him a long time. And as him and his brother, Alan, Alan, I went to Wrestle Kingdom 12 with. 
and uh, Editor Dan, of course, who's part of that team. I met him when we all went together to NXT TakeOver London. I can't even remember what year that was. That, that seems ages ago now. Mm. So these people I've been friends with for a long time and we just chat about the broad spectrum of wrestling stuff. So <laughs> mainly, I mean, WWE always comes up and I, I'm not a fan. I'm not that keen on it at the moment. So if you want to hear me uh, just shitting on that basically then check out the smartcast you can find us on that on twitter at the smartcast so a little plug for that there the other thing i wanted to plug was my uh juice and thunder liger piece so voices wrestling are running this um series called liger beach celebrating the the career of juice and thunder liger with i think the aim was to have a different match talked about each week and i talked about the 2017 best of the super juniors match he had with taichi which turned out to be both of their final better the super juniors match so you can find that on voiceswrestling.com if you want to read about Liger versus Taichi which is a really interesting match to go back and watch I don't know what your memories of that match are Damon I'm trying to remember back I know that they were they were uh, at each other's throats at one point um, I think you do a great job writing too not to stroke Joel in the beginning here but uh, I think you do a really good job with with your writing I, I love the way that you write so yeah I, you know what I I feel bad because I signed up to do a couple of those matches and I still, I'm just terrible. And then I avoid the Slack channel <laughs> so because I feel bad because I know I'm waiting for Rich to give me the old at be like, hey, Damon, you're going to fucking write that thing ever any time soon? And I'm like, oh, I'm so busy. And I'm only going to get busier. Um, so, yeah, I got to do that. But right. You do it when the time's right. Once the creative juices start flowing, some inspiration will hit you. You'll... Yeah. You know, you'll see Liger doing something, or you'll, you'll look at a photo of him, and you'll you'll be hit with a wave of inspiration. You think, I've got to write that piece now. Did you see the uh, stuff from Mexico? His last stuff at Arena Mexico, and the no. uh, that the grand entrance. You didn't see it? No. Tell me. Oh, it was wonderful. I mean, look, the match itself was okay. It wasn't bad. Um, wasn't a classic, but you. But if you haven't seen, you go out of your way to watch it. It's they went out of their way to make him look like a fucking superstar that was uh, leaving. They had probably about eight to ten. We'll call them the the uh, lucha lucha equivalent of the Nitro Girls. Um, they did a dance. They did like this interpretive dance. And had him come out, and they were all dressed in Liger outfits. Sexy Liger outfits, Joel. It was amazing. I mean, Jesus Christ. Um, and it, not just for the uh, the dance, if you know what I'm saying. There are all these, uh, you know, nice-looking nice looking young ladies dressed up as Liger. It's great. Um, so, yeah, just for the entrance alone. Was was pretty pretty ridiculous, um, and uh, yeah, they treated him like a star. So uh, go out of your way to watch it. At least at least the the entrance because it was over the top great, um, and uh, showing a lot of love for our pal Jushin Liger. Excellent, I will check that out. So um, first news item here is the ticket sales of Fight Spirit Unleashed. New York sold out. Philly sold out. No nope. low. Close to a sellout. Yeah. Um, the information I've got here is so the capacity is two point eight thousand. Uh, approximately one hundred and seventy still for sale. Uh, appears the 
back row, first balcony, not for sale, possibly first corner section, second balcony. ROH peaked 1.9K in 2018 with War of the Worlds with New Japan and never sold out. So are you at all surprised about how quickly these sold and what were your own experiences like trying to buy tickets? Yeah, because I did. Um, I did not rely on um, the old media credential thing. I said, I got to... I got to get because, again, I never know about these things. And and here's the thing. As much as I am somewhat serious about credentials, it is important to me. Um, Like, I just, I don't know. Sometimes I feel weird. I don't, I just do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just kind of feel like, "Uh." Um, so if that happens, it happens. But, yeah, so tickets went on sale. First of all, my surprise. No, I'm not. I sat here and I told them. I've been saying it for years. They should be running this area. It would sell quickly, and it did. Um, the, Hammerstein sold out in minutes. Philly was even worse. Philly was just like gone. Um, 10 o'clock Eastern time, they went on sale for Lowell. And I was like, <sighs> like, I didn't get them at first. Cause I was like, uh, am I going to like, how am I going to, I don't have any money. <laughs> like I just fucking don't have any money, um, for this shit. Um, but then as tickets were going, like the cheapest tickets were like 20 bucks. And I'm and I was doing some Google images of the actual arena itself. Doesn't look like there's a bad seat in this joint. It looks like a small theater uh, in the round. So you're right on top of the ring. Even at the at, at the very top, you, it feels like you're right on top of the ring. And I was like, all right, twenty six bucks total when it comes to the actual tickets and the fees and all that shit. Like I could swing twenty six bucks. I could do that. So I was like, fuck it. Bought a ticket, right? So I'm going to be in Lowell, Boston, whatever it is. Driving up. I'm going to drive. Then, because it's like a five-hour drive. I could do a five-hour drive. <laughs> I've done I've done it worse, right, Joel? <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. Right, exactly. Um, then, uh, Philly and New York went on sale at noon. Those fucking things went. So I was doing the old, and I always get nervous when I have to get these fucking tickets because I had to get me and I got uh, Eric because Eric, uh, where he works, it's hard for him to get away to get on a computer, get tickets. So I was like, I'll get yours and I'll try and get mine together. I'll try and get two together. So I said, I Philly's, I got to go Philly because we're right there. I mean, he, I mean, he he is literal blocks away and I'm like five minutes away gotta do Philly refresh refresh like you know it's, you know 11.58 11.58 11.59 I'm not <laughs> clock turns boop and in I go I'm in the queue and I'm like okay and then it shows and like before I could even pick tickets first two rows were you could see they were all around the ring done I was like fuck so I just clicked on the first thing I could could boop got them Third row uh, for Philly. And then after I checked out, I doubled back and was like, oh, let me see here. I couldn't even get in. And then maybe a minute later, came up, sold out. And I was like, holy. It was like four minutes. Four, maybe five minutes. It wasn't that long. And then um, John Carroll had actually got on on uh, Twitter. And I actually so it was like, I'm, I'm posting on Twitter. Um and he was like, yeah, you know what? It says sold out, but I think we just crashed the system. Try to, you know, and I tried again, and I still couldn't get in, but apparently he did. Anywho, it wasn't more than 10 minutes. Uh, again, it's the ECW arena, 2300 arena. You're looking at about 2,200 people. 
I mean, and that's shoehorning people in. Um, it's not, you know, it's not like it's 20,000. I get it. But I think that's, I truly believe, Joel, that if they can, if they ran a show and split the difference and said, we're going to run a run in, I don't know, whatever the, the building in Trenton is, um, sovereign. Let, let me jump in. Sorry. Yeah, I've got yeah, a question yeah. from Nathan. who says, uh, was the 2300 ECW arena a surprise choice of a venue? I would have liked to see them run the national guard armory. It's about twice the size and has raised seating. No, because here's the thing. Logistically, everybody knows where ECW is. I've been to the National Guard Armory. I've been there for a Ring of Honor TV taping. It's it's not like just like an easy place. This to, ECW arena is right near the stadiums. It's right. It, it's just a little bit easier for a lot of people. Right off of 95, like the National Guard Armory, you got to take 95, then go on 76. It's just a fuck. You know, it's not. Uh, no, it's actually off of 95. But anyway, it's not. Right, or maybe who the fuck knows? It's not really in the city. It's like in like in like a suburb. This is in the city. It's right there, right off the exit. You can't miss it. It's not, it's not hard to. Plus, there's a little history. Plus, they've been there before, so they know the building. They know the logistics of the building. They've never run this National Guard armory. Um, now, twenty three twenty three was probably the smart choice. The problem with Philly is this: they don't really have a lot of great buildings over and above that. Yeah, they had that National Guard. Somebody mentioned the Leacora Center. That's where uh, Temple University um, has a lot of events. I saw a concert there. It's a shithole. You're gonna, you're, you're literally driving into the fucking ghetto. Um, you're taking your life in your own hands driving up in there. I'm not, and I'm, and I'm saying that half tongue, tongue in cheek and half not. It's not the safest of areas. It really isn't. Um, Yes, it's 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 Temple University, but Temple University is is this college that's in the middle of North Philadelphia, which is not the safest place in the fucking world. Um, you don't want to be walking around there at night. You really don't. Um, now this is better. This twenty three hundred is better. Um, but my point was, you split the difference, right? So so you got you know, whatever Hammerstein holds, and you got whatever they sold in Philly. All right, you got five, ten thousand. Could we run a ten thousand? Do you think we could do ten thousand between the two, Joel? I think they could. Yeah, I think it depends. I mean, I guess my next question was going to be, what are your expectations for what sort of show you're getting here? Is this going to be the sort of show where you're not getting any title matches and your main event is like a big tag match? Let's say Okada Tanahashi versus I don't know Naito. Sugar, something like that right or do you think you're going to get some big matches there because i think that would influence how many tickets are sold yeah um well for these these shows i mean here's here's my very low expectations for these shows when it comes to match quality i'd be thrilled if we got like a, a u.s title defense a never title defense something like that i can't imagine can't imagine seeing uh, an IWGP heavyweight championship match. Can't I, I just don't see that happening. And and I would be shocked if it was a one-on-one intercontinental title match. I would be shocked if that were the case. Uh, I think we'll see. I think we'll see names. I do. I think we'll see names for this tour. They're, 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 this is in between tours in Japan. So it could. They could bring in anybody. I saw the poster. Ibushi's on it. Tanahashi's on it. Okada's on it. Naito's on it. Um, I would hope that this is a nice last run for Liger on the East Coast. I'm sure everyone would love to see that. Um, and then that, and then that would be that. 
So now I'm not, you know, again, if we do U.S. title, if we do, well, here's the thing. U.S. title is Moxley, right? That ain't gonna uh, unless it changes hands before then. You would think it would, right? But, yeah. If Moxley still got it, then no, they can't have their U.S. title defended, can they? No. So you would think anyway. I mean, they start their TV, what, October? October 4th, is it? Something like that, right? In, in Washington, they start their TV. So you would think that John would be dropping that title before then. So, I mean, I, I can't guarantee, but you would think that would be the case. And, he, and of course, he's not defending it on anything here. So you would think that would be dropped. But, yeah, if, if it's something like that, that'd be great. Um, anything else, I'm considering it a bonus in gravy, to be honest, um, when it comes to match quality for these shows. We're going to have another Super J Cast meetup? Yeah, I'd like to. Um, there's plenty of places uh, that I have in mind, to be truthful, for the Philly. Um, I mean, I'm sure we'll do something in in in, Bo- in Boston, Lowell area. We'll figure that out uh, for the people there. And absolutely Philly. And if I can swing New York, if I can get in the building, uh, I'd like to do something there too. So I, I'd like to do the whole weekend, to be honest. Um, that's my goal. So, yeah, But I, can, I 100% guarantee something in Philly, without question. Um, and New York... And Boston, we'll, we'll, I mean, I'm going to Boston, so we'll, we'll, the, the odds are better there. Uh, but if I can get in New York, we'll try something there too. So I'm hoping for a trifecta. All right, join the Discord for more details on that. Yep. Um, next item is the Super J Cup. We have three names announced that we have Show, Dragon Lee, and TJP. Yeah. What do you think of that? Like it. I like them. I don't. I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, a little bit surprised by it. Um, I kind of maybe maybe he felt he fell under the radar for me um, as to his availability, but I like it. I think it's listen. It's a different name because I think everybody was sitting there thinking, "All right, we're going to get a Ring of Honor guy. We're going to get a, a, a Dojo guys. We're going to get and you know to have that name pop up was a pleasant surprise. I don't think anybody's complaining about it, are they? Uh, only the, the you know the usual people who. No, woke Twitter brigade trying to. Why? What did he do? What does what this guy do? I don't. I don't know the story. Uh, oh God! Um, I don't, really? We don't <laughs> know. Have to check. It's, it's something. Look, I I don't even like talking about this sort okay. of stuff. Okay. I, I would just no. like to assess it from a, a strictly in-ring perspective. Right. People are upset. Um, People are upset that he did something wrong. I, te- I, I don't te- know. What texting. I don't even know. Don't even get into it. Oh, it's it, fine. Again, if there's no evidence, I don't want to be hearing from TJP's lawyers. But right. I, if you ask around on Twitter, I'm sure you'll find I'm out. Fine. And uh, yeah, whatever. I think he's a good wrestler. So purely wrestling, I think it's a, a good move. I'm excited to see what he can bring because I'm sure he's going to be fired up. He's going to have a point to prove after uh, his disappointments in WWE. So I'm excited to see what he can produce. Yes, me too. Uh, again, I don't. I mean, I could instantly Google it, but I'm too lazy to do that right now. But maybe I will, and uh, I'll give you some comments maybe next week on uh, on that. But I don't. I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know what he did. I'm not, I'm not really. I don't really know that stuff a lot. I don't really because I'm not on the, I'm on Twitter, so, and I guess that's where the majority of the times you see all that. And I'm not really on. All right, but he's he's pro net neutrality. Apparently, wanted to have Republican presidents for the next twenty years. There's He's other pro stuff net neutrality. Him. Yeah. It, oh, I mean, right there, he gets a thumbs down from me. Why <laughs> would anybody be pro net neutrality? Like, what, what? Who does he work for? 
fucking files? What, like, what, who's, what is he doing? <laughs> I mean, seriously. I don't really understand the issue. I, I, I'm pretty ignorant on what net neutrality is, Damon. Yeah, but uh, basically it's throttling and tiering prices for your for internet service providers, right? So based off of certain sites that might be considered, like like a Netflix or a Hulu or whatever, you might get charged more and part of their premium package uh, just because, you know, they decide that that's, you know, you're a heavy bandwidth user. Okay. Or some shit uh, like that. Okay, but wrestling, the fuck cares what you... Right? Well, yeah, again, my, my thing is, as long as I haven't broken any laws and yes. done anything seriously illegal or... or Hurt like, anyone. Seriously hurt or right. upset or damaged anyone. Or, oh, I don't care. You know, okay, like, if Jeff Cobb thinks the world is flat, who gives a shit? Right. Someone's a Republican. You know, I, that's not something I, I agree with, but I don't care. Just be a good wrestler. Yeah. I, I tend to agree. Uh, listen, I cover lots of sports. And let me tell you something. A lot of these guys probably aren't the best guys in the world. Right. If you want, you know? if you want all of your artists and all of your content creators and, and people whose uh, t- stuff you enjoy to be, you know, have exact same values as you, you're going to be disappointed. Right. Again, there is a line that 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 when you cross, it's an instant. You're you know you're kind of you know, but stuff like that, like your political leanings and shit. And we bust balls. Trust me. This, this you're you're not afraid of that to fucking lay a boot on somebody. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not gonna. All right, whatever. We're, we're, we, for somebody who said we weren't going to talk about it, we're talking about it. So let's fucking not talk about it. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is a uh, personal Twitter, at the Chris Samsa, mm-hmm. S-A-M-S-A, who's made a Google Doc with some really interesting data about the G1 Climax. Um, stuff about winning percentages, average match length, uh, shortest match, longest match, average winning match length, average losing match length. So it's really interesting. I did retweet this a couple of days ago. No, yesterday, actually. And it's interesting to compare which wrestlers uh, tend to be more successful with longer matches and shorter matches. Like, for example, Kenta, his average winning match length is 16 minutes 37 but his average losing match length is 26.54. So ah. for someone like Kenta, the longer the match goes on, less likely he is to win. So I find that quite interesting. I do too. Um, let's look at the average match length. Look at B block. Okay. Um, this might surprise you. Who do you think has got the longest average match length in B block? And of course, the thing to keep in mind here, the caveat is uh, not everyone has faced Yano yet. And All right. Having a match with Yano is obviously going to skew things slightly, but who do you think has the longest average match length in B block? Well, you figure main events would tend to go longer, right? They tend to get more rope. Would it be Naito? No, it's not Naito. Not Moxley, is it? It's not Moxley. Naito is third longest. Third. Wow. Whew. Sonata? Right, this B block. He's uh, um, sorry, A block. Sorry, 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 You're right. Hmm. Who has been delivering big epic matches day in, day out in that block? Oh, Ishii. Yeah, it's Big Tom. Big really? Tom. His... His, uh, again, he hasn't faced Yano yet, which is right. something to keep in mind. But his average match length is 19.04. And the next longest is Jay White. Wow. 
That doesn't even seem that gap. long. Yeah. Well, I'm, what's the longest in in uh, A Block? Uh, it is Ibushi, nineteen forty. So that's long. Uh, well, yeah, about thirty six seconds longer than. Yeah, it's not that Ishii. much though. Yeah. Huh. But okay. a big gap between Ishii and Jay White. Yeah. yeah. A good four minutes there. Uh, okay. Obviously, I mean, you know who's got the short, shortest average match length. I would say Yano, obviously. In, in, uh-huh. in the Can you guess what it is? What's the average Toriano match length in this G1? Conference? He's had a few quickies, hasn't he? He's had a few quickies. And didn't they say... Like uh, me in the they, bedroom. They, yeah. They, <laughs> I would, under five minutes, right? I would probably go like four minutes. I'll say 420. 351. Wow. I wonder how much he's getting paid for that. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. It's 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 all compressed in one little tiny bundle of energy. You know what I mean? It's like it's like a little pod of flavor that just drops on your tongue and explodes in your mouth. Like um eh, you know what I mean? Like all of his none of his matches are boring. You can't sit here. You might not like the style. You might kind of be like, oh, yeah. But to me, I'm on the edge of my seat at every Yano match. Because it's, again, do I want to see a 19-minute Yano match? Fuck no. That gets old. It's interesting you say that, David, because his total match length, in you you put all five of his matches back-to-back, Total match length, 19 minutes, 13 right, seconds. Right, right. That's good. That's the, that is called putting somebody in a position to win. That's what they're, they're, they're booking that guy to be. They're putting him in a position to win. Um, what I mean by win is have, you know, play to his strengths. You know? That, that's, that's exactly what we want to see. Just that sprint of nonsense, of unpredictability and ball shot and roll up and undo the, the, the turnbuckle and fucking throw his shirt over somebody's head and choke him out. That, that's great. I, I mean, that's perfect. Um, all right, let me try A. You know what the fuck's an A? That would be short. I think Zach's gone pretty long. Um, how about, I was going to say evil, but he's gone long too. Fale? Yeah, Fale's the shortest. Okay. His average match length is nine minutes thirty six. Mm. So feels like, like four years. To be honest, three <laughs> times as long as uh, Yano matches. Right? Yeah, they feel it. Um, actually, he's again. He, I, t- I think it holds true from last week. It's not that he's not trying hard. He's just gassed and just so out of shape. And oh my god, he loses twenty gallons of, of liquid a match. Um, I mean, he's fucking folly. I mean, there's. What, what are you, you going to say? It's not that he's not trying hard. That heart is beating 272 beats a minute. But it's fucking folly. What do you want? Let's get into these results then. So um, the first show in Hiroshima. So let me just get out. So Wednesday, July 24th, Hiroshima, Sun Plaza Hall. Attendance here, uh, I found this from Striga, the... G129 show in Hiroshima Sun Plaza, headlined by Tetsuya Naito versus Tomohiro Ishii, drew 3,481 fans, no vacancy. The last time they ran a G1 show in this venue was 2017 when they drew 2,593. So they're up 
nearly 1,000 fans, which wow. is pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is impressive. That's, that's, that's a noticeable difference. That's not a handful. That's, that's, a, that's more than a section. 1,000 people? Fuck. It's pretty great, actually. And here's the thing. It, it's not that far. Well, it's a little bit far. I was going to say it's not that far from, from – it's kind of in the middle, isn't it? It's kind of like in the middle of where Kobe is or Osaka. I don't know. I'm fucking stupid. Don't ask me. Um, but that's still impressive. 1,000 more? That's good. That's good. That's good stuff. So our first G1 match was Juice Robinson defeating Toriana in 4 minutes 28 with a pulp friction. Uh, kind of feel like Yano's running out of material at this point, but I thought this was okay. It made Juice look quite smart, quite savvy, because he was wise to all of Yano's tricks. And I, don't know, I thought it was interesting that they put the Yano match in the opening spot here for the tournament matches, because previously they've been putting it in the middle to yeah. break up the, the quote-unquote serious matches. So it was an interesting choice to put it at the start here. But, uh, it, I mean, it's a Yano match. I don't know how much there is to say about it, really. Yeah, I mean, what, what, I mean, it was exactly everything that we just talked about two seconds ago. Um, all, all the fun, all the shenanigans, all the bullshit, and Juice outsmarted them out, wrestled them, and, and got the win. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the best you could say. Um, uh, <laughs> Which, it is a little bit disappointing because for just about all of these shows, and I said it before, the first match usually sets the bar, right? And in a weird way, I kind of feel like the first match set the bar on this show. <laughs> you, know? you know what I mean? Like, um, I don't want to say this show is a disappointment by any stretch because if you take this show out of the G1 bubble and put it anywhere else, it's not a bad show. Like, for any other promotion, they'd fucking... They cut off a leg to have a show like this. This is a this was a, a good show. It wasn't a great show. It was a good show, and this this kind of started off and set the tone for it being a good show. The next match was Tai Chi defeating Hiroki Goto in twelve well, minutes eleven fuck. seconds with yeah. the Tai Chi style Gato clutch. Uh-huh. I, you want to start? Because I, enjoyed... I got some feelings about this. Okay, well let, let me go first. So, one thing I did like about this match, one thing I liked about the match was Taichi attacking Carl Fredericks. So going after the LA Dojo young boys to try and get at Goto, I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, it didn't really go anywhere with that. It didn't lead to anything. But uh, these two, they just don't have very good chemistry. That said, I do think this was their best match. I thought their previous two matches were much longer and more boring. This was tighter. It was more of a wrestling match. But... I don't know. The, I, I, I like the Tai Chi shenanigans, and this one was a bit light on the shenanigans, and when it was more of a, a pure wrestling match, it didn't really grab me that much. I, I, I'm glad that the kick in the balls and the clutch finally got a pin. Um, There's nothing to write home about, really. I think Goto's best matches are ahead of him, so he's had he hasn't had the greatest tournament so far, but when you consider he's got matches with Ishii, matches with Shingo coming up, I think we could look forward to more from him, but yeah, this wasn't my favorite match of the tournament by any stretch. These are two guys that, and both of them, where you could sit here and one week praise the fuck out of them. And talk, I mean, I sat here and I talked about Tai Chi being, you know, hey, listen, if you haven't turned the corner on him, you've, you're missing the mark and all this shit. Goto 
you know, how many times have we talked about, oh, he's a really good wrestler, but he just, you know, but, uh, just, uh, you know, sometimes he just can't put it together and it misses the mark. And then other times it's out of this world. And you put these two guys in the ring together and they are lost. I mean, this wasn't a terrible match. It wasn't a terrible match. It was a good match, but uh, they just, you're right. They just don't have any chemistry. They just don't work well together. I don't know what the fuck it is. They just don't have it. And yet they continually put them in the ring together, which is mind-boggling to me. Um, they're, they, they, these two, by and large, might, for me anyway, might be the most frustrating two individuals on this roster because you never know what the fuck you're going to get with these two. You, just, you can never set your watch by these two. It's unbelievable how inconsistent and again, you put them together, and they just they just don't mesh. So that's that's a problem right then and there. But just again, from week to week and month to month, you don't know what the fuck you're going to get. I don't know why that is. Well, how can two guys, Joel, be so utterly inconsistent? I have no idea how. Yeah, it's just one of those strange things, isn't it? That they can, with the right opponent, have incredible matches. You put either of them with. Someone like a Ishii or presumably a Shingo. I mean, we haven't seen Goto Shingo yet, but I've got a pretty strong feeling that it's going to be good. Then maybe they need an opponent who can bring the intensity and the fire and the pace to them. And they are not the sort of wrestler to generate that intensity by themselves. Okay. Is that a mark of a, of a great pro wrestler, though? You look oh, at- I don't think anyone is sitting here trying to tell you that uh, Goto or Taichi oh. are great pro wrestlers. You don't they? think there's people out there that aren't hammering home Goto being a great wrestler? You don't think he can? He can have. Okay, I would say he is a guy who can have great matches, mm-hmm. but the, for me, the consistency isn't there for me to call him a great pro wrestler. I, and I think that's fair and objective. Now. I'll also say that maybe, maybe, you know, he is arguably on the downward slide of his career, right? He's certainly not climbing that ladder. He's not a young pup. Maybe injuries and bot and all that. But but then, you know, we say that, and then a month later, he's in some fucking, you know, B-level house show fighting for the Never title, and you're like, holy shit, what a fucking great match. And Tai Chi's just, you know, two weeks ago, was was we were saying the same thing. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know. To me, those two are more frustrating than anything complaint people have of Jay White. Like, I just, I'm just, and, and I hate to say it, at least Tai Chi is, has turned me around to at least notice him and at least, I wouldn't say respect, that's a bad word, because I always, you know, listen, they, they, all, they always get that, but it's more of, you know, you're, you believe that there's, there's an opportunity to have a great match. 
Yeah, I'm totally in agreement with you with this one, Damon. Um, let's talk about the next match then, which was John Moxley defeating Shingo Takagi in 14 minutes 45 with a Texas Cloverleaf. So these two had some history in Dragon Gate USA. There was a nice interview with Shingo, actually. And the quote from that is um, about, he's talking about Moxley. We were actually in the same group together there. I drove to venues with him. This was a long time ago, 2009, 2010. He drove this really beaten up car, a mess inside and out. It made me think, man, life is tough for an American indie wrestler. <laughs> it just made me laugh thinking about uh, John Moxley and Shingo Takagi on the road together. But I love this match, Damon. I really like them getting in each other's faces at the start. There were some cool spots. like, a, Well, actually, one, one spot that wasn't that great was when Moxley did his dive through the ropes and he just kind of landed in front of Shingo, didn't really connect with it, and then Shingo grabbed him and did him did a Death Valley driver onto the floor. It was a bit clunky. I, I don't know, something went wrong there. But um, other stuff I enjoyed, Moxley showing respect to Red Shoes Uno, who obviously the father of his um, his new best mate, Shota. Shingo, man, David, I thought this was an absolute masterclass in selling. Shingo's selling of the left knee was outstanding. It was just the little things he was doing, like little hops before he did a suplex or uh, a collapsing after the Irish whip. He did a slightly lopsided Noshigami because of the bad knee. He wasn't able to do Last of the Dragons. He was clutching his knee in pain when Moxley kicked out from underneath the bad knee after he did the Made in Japan. And he tapped out because of the bad knee. Yeah. And to me, if you do a body part match, there's got to be a payoff to it. Like that, like you are unable to do your finishing move because of your injured body part or something like that. I don't like it when people just blow off the injured limb. So I thought... If you want a textbook limb match, you go and watch this one. This is how to do a limb match. This is how you sell. And I just thought this was terrific. Um, we got to see a bit of depth from Moxley. I wasn't expecting John Moxley to do a leg match. And I did fear the worst when he got the table out. And they did a little spot with the table later on when he dropped Shingo's knee on tip. But I thought this was terrific. It wasn't the match that I was expecting from these two. And up to this point, I thought it was Moxley's best match. Yeah, me too. Me too. And it felt like he he knew and he recognized the fact that he might not be able to get away with just, as we called it last week, you know, the walk and brawl, right? Um, of course, there's always going to be that element, but, you know, he needed to, to dip a little bit deeper into his arsenal to, to find ways to beat him. Um, again, I, I understand the fact that this is a junior. I understand that we would, we would be seeing more losses, well, I mean, I don't know. Some people went into this thinking that that he was going to see we were going to see more wins than losses. Um, I think he's right about where most people though thought he would be. So again, that would require some losses to be had. I think it's important in how he's losing, right? I think it's important that he is losing uh, for a guy who you know was super protected, right? Earlier, um, and again, Moxley so, to to date, you know, is undefeated. Um, and getting wins over guys that have a have a you know I, I don't want to say a a standing and a or a pecking order, but it feels like Shingo is is right up there at some of the the, the top guys. It, you know, obviously in the juniors, but even you know the buzz around him um, in the, in the heavyweights. So I think it's 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 a significant win. I think it's a significant win in how he won, and it really is telling of where John Moxley is and how they use a guy like that. 
Again, I know Dave has talked about this a lot, and I hate to repeat the same things he has, but I do tend to agree. It is amazing the fact that he walks into New Japan and gets wins over guys that very easily he could have taken pinfalls to if he were any other promotion, right? Um, he's getting he's getting all the love from New Japan, and he's working hard, and it shows. You know, it, it, the guy's undefeated in G1 so far, and we're halfway through. Yeah, we've got plenty of questions about uh, John Moxley coming up, so we'll keep our powder dry for that one. Next G1 match was Jay White defeating Jeff Cobb in 50 minutes 50 with the Blade Runner. Uh, I, my resolution for this G1, I've got short attention span, Damon, so I decided when I'm watching, not just G1, watching movies or whatever, reading a book, I try and put my phone away, put it out of reach, because otherwise... I just, I'm addicted to it. I drift over, you know, I'm grabbing out, I'm looking on Twitter, I'm on the Slack, I'm on Discord, just fucking about, I'm not really concentrating on what I'm watching. And for a Jay White match in particular, I really have to make sure the phone is away <laughs> because, you know, rightly or wrongly, Jay White matches are best appreciated when you're concentrating and paying attention. So for this match, I thought, right, I'm really going to concentrate here. And I think I enjoyed it a lot more as a result. And I'm not saying that everyone should have to do that, I definitely hear the arguments for people who say, no, the wrestling wrestler should be good enough and exciting enough to grab you, to grab your attention, not to make, to put the onus on you to concentrate on that. But I enjoyed the Jay White control period here because when you're concentrating, just seeing him systematically take apart Jeff Cobb's neck was to me very compelling. Um, just little things like when he grabbed Jeff Cobb's hair, when Jeff Cobb tried to do the kip up, um, and this control period was punctuated by some nice, big, flashy throws from Cobb, uh, which Jay got some great hang time for those. There was a, a really scary pop-up backdrop as well. I got flashbacks to you know Chris Benoit against Sabu. <laughs> I was like, mm -hmm. oh God, I hope he's okay after that. Um, I love the way that Jay White was baiting the elbow into the Saito suplex by nudging Jeff Cobb's left arm, which was pointed out very astutely by Kevin Kelly on commentary. Um, and honestly, I don't think there are many people who think about their matches and opponents as much as Jay White does. I think he, uh, to, to coin a, a phrase from another wrestler, he's a very cerebral wrestler. I think he thinks about these little details a lot. And the li little details are really good, but you do have to pay attention to them. And I think a lot of people will miss them. And I don't know if that's just a, a criticism of Jay White that they're not attention grabbing enough, but that, that's just my opinion on it. I think you've got to put the phone away when a Jay White match is going on. Crowd were pretty quiet, but they did pop for Cobb's big power moves. It was, I thought, one of the better ref bumps there. It looked quite authentic. It didn't look as contrived as the others. Um, so, yeah, I thought this was decent. I mean, a lot of people have criticized it, but I enjoyed it. He's not for everyone, right? He definitely isn't for everyone. And especially in an era when... We are so accustomed to big moves and big kickouts and big, splashy, high-impact pro wrestling. I will say that a lot of stuff does fall under the radar to a lot of people. Now, and, and I'm not even saying that I'm watching this with such a critical eye that I can see all those little subtle things. Because I don't. Sometimes a lot of that shit goes right over my fucking head. One, because I'm stupid as fuck. And two, uh, you're right. It does take... It takes patience to watch a Jay White match. 
and that's both a good thing and a bad thing. What are we going to just chalk it up to his style at this point? Are we just going to chalk it up to him being him, and either you get it or you don't get it? Uh, I guess right because at this point, I, I can't imagine you getting a, an additional layer of Jay White. This is Jay White. This is what you get. Um, Heel Jay White. I think as a baby face, would you think he's it's got coming? A very different kind of run in him. Yeah. Would you? Would you would think it would be coming? Right. Yes. Yeah, you would think. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I, I would agree with that. Um, I don't know. I look. I, I, I just went on a rant about Tai Chi and 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 Goto, but uh, Jay White's not frustrating to me. Unfortunately, Jay White is. I think maybe not my cup of tea. Because here's the thing, Joel. The critique of, of, of Zach is that you have to pay attention to his matches as well. You're not necessarily going to get high impact. You're going to get limb work and, 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 and interesting and, and, and varied submissions and, and tying people up into a pretzel. And that might not be for everybody. Right, that and there's plenty of people out there that are just like I just can't get into this. I just can't for whatever reason. I just can't fucking wrap my head around it. Maybe we just can't wrap our head around Jay White, and, and it is what it is, and it's not bad. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it's just, it just misses the mark. And I will say this too: for a lot of people that do critique this and critique him unjustly, a lot of these people. It's still, they can't get over the fact that this is young lion, Jay White. And it's their first guy that they saw as a young lion taking fucking Boston crabs and taking pinfalls left and right. And then all of a sudden, he's a fucking superstar six months after he gets back from, you know, going on an excursion. And they can't wrap their and heads he's around replacing that. Kenny Omega. And that the too. As yep. The Bullet Club. Yep. And that too. And they just can't wrap their fucking heads around that that Jabron is now the leader of Bullet Club, where and all that. And it's their first, like, like it's their first guy that they truly saw be a young lion leave and come back and become a superstar. They, these people, and again, I'm not knocking, I'm not gatekeeping, I'm not doing that. I'm just kind of stating what I see. You know, these people don't even remember Evil being a young lion, right? They weren't even around for evil being well, Watanabe being around. They they saw Jay White, and they saw him come back, and they just don't feel he. They just can't wrap their heads around it. I really feel like that is a huge obstacle that Jay has had trouble overcoming. I, I don't see it like that. Same class as Show and Yo, and these people. Well, most people seem to really enjoy, like particularly Show. If you look at Show's big matches in Best of Super Juniors. Um, you know, people saying they should have beaten Shingo because of their rivalry. Honestly, I think it's just a, a simple case of people find his uh, Jay White's control period boring. Uh, and show I, show, I, show I, and I, Jay I, White I are not on the that. same level. No, but they're in the same cohort of young lions. Okay, That's but but point. Show is a junior tag champion, right? Working oh, his see, way so up the, the way they're presented. Okay, I, yeah, yeah, I take your point. Yeah, right, and and fucking Jay White is co-headlining Wrestle Kingdom. Leading the Bullet Club. Yes. 
you yeah. know, it's a tough pill for people to swallow, I think. Yeah, I hear that. I just, I think for a lot of people, it's just they find him boring, which is fair enough. I mean, we're not here to tell you, you know, who you do and don't like. Um, just my personal experience, if you concentrate on Jay White matches, you'll get more out of it. Not saying you should have to do that, but that's just the way I've experienced it. Um, are we ready to move on to the next match then? I am ready. Uh, that would be Tetsuya Naito defeating Tomohiro Ishii, 18 minutes 58 with Destino. Naito versus Ishii matches are always very good. This match was very good. I don't really have much else to say about it, Damon. Yeah, I hate the hand we give it because it was it felt like it was forever ago. And it was really good. It was really I mean, obviously it was match of the night by to me by by a country mile. It wasn't even close. And it's, it's it's two guys that have wrestled a thousand times, it feels like. Good chemistry. Very good match. Um I mean it's hard to have any complaints about it, right? Um, I don't think there was any surprises. I don't think there was anything out of the ordinary. Sol- I mean, it was a solid Ishii Naito match. Yeah, great. Great. Great match. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right? sometimes the match, right, right. that's it. A match is great. Yeah. You know it's great. Naito's great. Ishii's great. The match is great. Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay, next show then. Uh, was Saturday, July 27th in Aichi. Aichi Prefecture Gymnasium. Kazuchika Okada's hometown. And, uh, well, let's talk about attendance first. So, last year, this venue was headlined by Kenny Omega versus Sanada, which did 5,735. This year, for Okada versus Kenta, which obviously is a big dream match, and it's in Okada's hometown, they did 6,142. So, that's about 400 up from last year. Nice. Uh, during the typhoon, though, so I don't know what the significance of that is if uh, that's impressive because it was a typhoon that they might have expected people to stay away but there's your attendance anyway so we started off uh, G1 match in the A block with Kota Ibushi defeating Lance Archer in 11 minutes 42 with a Kami Goye uh, just quick question before I give my thoughts on the match what do you think of the EBD claw now do you think it's getting over oh I think it's definitely getting over New, New Japan has no problem getting a move over that's that's not the problem I think, again, it, it does kind of fall back on the same things I was saying last week in the sense that it just feels a little bit anticlimactic. Um, I mean, you look at that finish, to me, you know, those two knees in the face, <laughs> that, spe- that to me, that's, that, that spoke volumes. Um, I, I guess here's the thing. I never feel, feel, and I'm always taken aback a little bit by... I never feel like anyone is in is in great peril yet when somebody's in the claw. And it always surprises me when the bell rings after the claw. You know, the pinfall occurs. It just surprises me. I don't know why. Maybe I just need to be reconditioned. But I just, like I said, I, I'm always – I never feel like – I never go, oh, no, oh, no, 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 he's got the claw. You know what I mean? Where even to this day, if I see ba- a bad luck fall – I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. He's better wiggle. You know what I mean? Because I know it's lights out. Um, so, again, maybe it's just conditioning. But the, New Japan never has any problems getting those ho- ho- moves over. So, um, eh, I guess in time, I'll be reconditioned. I thought this match was really good, Damon. I've noticed Lance Archie's getting some babyface reactions now. People are chanting his name. People really seem to be enjoying him. I liked the pounce counted into the sort of Meteora double knee stomp thing. We got a rope walking cannonball from Lance Archer. 
Uh, we've got a moonsault, which he missed with. Haven't seen that for a while. You know, this is the thing with Lance Archer. You get something different in every match. He's not he's not giving you the same set of moves each time he goes out there. We got the, the choke slam to end all choke slams. I've never seen a choke slam this good before. It was just terrific, terrific job by both guys. Uh, and Ibushi just twitching on the floor afterwards. Just great selling from Ibushi. And I particularly loved when Lance Archer did his own Kamigoye counter. That looked absolutely devastating. It, I wonder whether Ibushi would actually kick out of that. I thought he might have been legitimately knocked unconscious because it looked like Lance had just need him square in the head there. Uh, question from Violent Skipping. He says, any thoughts on Archer no-selling the Kamigoye in an opening tournament match in the middle of the block, no less? I don't think he no-sold it. I, I think it was a good move, personally. One, I liked Kota's face. Yeah, when Lance yeah. wasn't quite down. It wasn't like Lance got up and was like, ah, that didn't hurt me at all. He was sort of semi-conscious. He was still on his knees. He was about to fall over. And Ibushi just did this massive, like the the shocked Pikachu face. Like, couldn't believe it. It was like, oh my God, this monster. He's still not he's still not down after my, my best move. And then, I, I personally, I thought it was great that he needed two Kamigoyes to put him away because Lance Archer's a monster. So I was fine with that, and I thought this was a really good match. Yep, me too. It was, it was again, an opening match that set the bar. Look, Lance works really well with these type of people. And again, that's like me saying when you get filet mignon, it's a good meal. You know what I mean? A bouche. No, I don't, no I'm sorry. I've got, he's worked great with everyone. He hasn't he had has. a bad match with anyone. No, he, no, no. He he's has. Had, he gave Farley his best match. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. No. And and again, I I don't I don't mean to say or come off like, oh, he's in the ring with two great pro wrestlers, so of course he's going to have a good match. No, 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 no. But it certainly does help. And I think an opponent that is able to do, you know, look, Lance is going to give you some power moves. And when you have a guy like Osprey and a guy like Ibushi who can take this and and give it extra oomph, just like you said, that choke slam, fucking plan of him. Uh, Lance has been amazing, and 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 in a in a way, I'm kind of thrilled that he is in this block because he gets to be in the ring in a singles match against you know the greatest that New Japan has. In the same breath. Um, there's a lot of talent in that block, and it's easy. It would be it would be easy for a guy to get lost in that, right? In that mix of Okada, Ibushi, Osprey, Zach. It's easy to get lost in that, right? He hasn't. He has shined. It, look, when and again, those names that I'm rattling off. While I don't necessarily agree, I think he is in the conversation of MVP for that block. Every match of his has been, at the very least, very good, right? Again, he was able to work a miracle in getting a really, really good match out of Fale. And, of course, opening night with Will, here with Abush. Look, he hasn't stumbled yet. He really hasn't stumbled yet. Um, and I think people, in some weird way, are kind of waiting for it. They're waiting for a stinker. I hope they're not, because I don't think they're going to get it. He has made the most of a, of a situation. And again, I, I think people knew 
I don't know. I mean, people wanted this. But did you think he had this in him, though? Joel, did you no, think? No, no. I, you, no. I've been banging the drum for Lance Archer for months. I'm pretty sure on this podcast I've been saying for quite a while that I would like him to be in the G1. I think he uh, and Davey Boy Smith Jr. were being underutilized. I thought Kidder Elite Squad were a really good tag team, but obviously Davey Boy's gone. Um, speaking of Davey Boy, I don't, did you see that interview that he did? Um, no. Dishing the dirt on his time in New Japan. I did not. Is it good? Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll send that to you and maybe we can talk about that next week. Okay. But my point is, I've always thought Lance was underutilized and even so, even with the high expectations that I had for him, he has, he has exceeded my expectations and that is quite something. I agree. Look, I'd be curious to hear what people think in the sense of a simple under shot your expectations or overshot. And I think by and large, the majority of people would say overshot. Um, and again, we didn't think he was bad. We didn't think he was, we thought he was good. I, I personally did not expect this level out of Lance Archer. Um, again, coming off back surgery coming, you know, it's not, it, 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 you know, he's, he, he's not a spring chicken either. He's making the most of this opportunity. I hope he gets. I hope, I hope he's able to cash in. I hope, I hope the checks are getting bigger, and getting bigger soon. Because uh, I and I hate saying he deserves it. He's deserving it in this G one. Speaking of uh, people making the most of their opportunities, next match was Will Ospreay defeating Bad Luck Farley in nine minutes eight seconds via disqualification, and one of the most compelling matches of this G1, which was Chase Owens versus the trainer's tape on Will Ospreay's neck, which <laughs> it was quite a struggle for Chase to remove there. We've got, oh, I mean, this is just a silly match. We had a, a good range of silly Osprey faces and silly Osprey noises. His bump for the grenade was amazing. I've never seen anyone bump that well for the grenade. And Farley was just dripping with sweat after oh, that. Oh my God. He'd done nothing. He'd done nothing in his match. And he was just pouring off his face. Yeah. That he is... I think he's really starting to... The, the holes are starting to appear. I know I've been defending him throughout this G1. And honestly, I think he has been fine. But in this match, I, I did... My eyebrow was raised and I thought, this, this is not great. When he has got other people coming into the ring to do the wrestling for him in the shape of Chase Owens and Jado, then I think that's starting to be a problem. And I mean... It, it was good. I mean, Will sold the package power driver like absolute death. And again, the fact that Farley does not actually do the wrestling at this point is something. And we got the Red Shoes callback from last year with Red Shoes do you know, flipping off Farley. This was just silly. I don't think it... I, I understand why they did the disqualification, but I don't think it benefited anyone. It didn't make uh, Osprey look particularly good. And it just made Farley look stupid as well. But yeah. I will say this in defense of this match. It was, you know, it was silly. It wasn't boring, though. I wasn't bored. No. And, and, and I agree with that. Um, I, the, 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 you know who turned out to be the, the, the looking the best in this match was Red Shoes. Well, Red, oh, Red, Red, Red Shoes, really. I mean, he was the only one that kind of didn't look like a boob in this match. Um, you know, you're right. It's it's we got set, we got smoke and mirrors galore, we've got smoke and mirrors galore, and I and I can't imagine it getting any better as we go along. Um, Fale looks gassed. He, he and here G one summertime in Japan, he's got to be dying 
dying. Um, this G1 looks like it's taking years off the, the poor guy's life. Um, you know, I understand Fale. I understand who he is. I understand Bullet Club. I understand Monster. I understand getting wins, all that. I'm uh, Physically. You know, people worry about people being dropped on their heads and necks and all that. I, I worry about Fale making it through a G1 without, you know, you know, not doing it. He doesn't look well. He doesn't look well. He does not look fit. He does not look well. Um, and, yeah, of course, smoke and mirrors galore. Giotto, chase, ref bumps, outside interference. Again, just tactics to shave time. That's what it, that that's really what it felt like to me. We were shaving time to get through a match that, you know, if there was a look, the payoff was the laugh of Red Shoes flipping the bird. You know, what I mean, that was the that was your payoff. You, but you didn't even get Will getting a second win over win over Fale, which would have been nice. Um, it was a DQ win. Um, but again, you got the you got your moment with the red shoes flipping off everybody, and away we go. So we got through it. That's that. I can't imagine Fale matches being anything anybody else is looking forward to with all the nonsense. But okay, it is what it is. We're, we'll get through it. Lee asks, is Osprey going to end up doing G1, New Japan Cup, Best of the Super Juniors, Super J Cup, World Tag League, and Junior Tag League in the same year? The mad bastard. Could <laughs> you see Will work in either of those uh, tag leagues? I, uh, I mean, look, I, I think there's better uses of his time. Like, like sitting at home in an ice bath would be number one. Uh, two playing with his new samurai sword. <laughs> um, it, 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 we don't need him in, in that. It, I mean, here's the thing: he's not like. Well, I was just about to say, you, you know, he's not like he's go, not going to work. He's a nut. He's a fucking weirdo that feels he needs to do that uh, to jump around in a world tag league. He's the guy. Like he's the guy that would do that. So, yeah, keep him out. Per- yeah, the only thing that I'm thinking is Robbie Eagles needs a partner if he's going to enter the junior tag league Christ almighty I really I don't want Osprey to be in either of those tag leagues I really don't just take the after G1 take the rest of the year off we'll see you at Wrestle Kingdom right it's fine I'm I'm okay with that me too and imagine us sitting here saying that you know what I mean especially the year he's having you know it would be great to have him in there because it would make it five times more interesting right um but yeah i'm okay stay home stay home take one listen if i see him in both he's he's lost it. he's lost it if he's in both there's no need for him to be in both um he, he really to me there's no need for him to be in any but he'll probably you know what you're right he'll probably be in in, in the junior tag he probably will be Okay, next match was Evil defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in 16 minutes with the Evil. One thing I particularly liked about this match, Damon, was Zack countering that referee holding the leg kick spot. Uh, I like the fact they countered that because I hate that spot. I enjoyed this match. Some people have uh, been quite down on it. I like them trading submissions. That was an interesting twist, seeing mm-hmm. Evil busting out his submission chops. And I really love the move Zack did where he did... 
uh, where Evil went for a lariat and Zack kicked his arm and then followed it up with a leg sweep straight out of Mortal Kombat. I just enjoyed that little combo. It looked really cool. I thought this was a really good match and I'm going to put the loss for Zack down to, as he said in the post-match interview, Boris Toffing Eater Wanker Johnson Tosser. <laughs> You know, I never did get your 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 thoughts on that, Joel. Uh, that's a, that's an impact on your life, right? Uh, I, I I'm never going back, David. No, that's it. You done? Yeah, he's he's uh, he's Donald Trump with a, a private education. Mm. He's a posh Donald Trump. I think wow. he's a he he portrays himself as sort of like a, a buffoonish you know, kind of clown. Yeah, but seen, yeah. he is a very intelligent and dangerous man. Is he like tries to come off as like I'm working class and I'm 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 Oh no, he do, he doesn't even try that. Like oh, there no. was a, a an incident with uh I think it was David Cameron. They were asking David Cameron what was the costs of a loaf of bread to see, you know, is he in touch with the people? And David Cameron's like, "Oh, oh, I don't know. I have a bread maker." and made himself look like an idiot. They asked Boris Johnson the same question, and he was he said, "I've got no idea. I know how much a bottle of champagne is." So he he totally leans into the aesthetic of being the big, uh, you know, posh buffoon. But I think he pretends to be stupider than he actually is, and he is a you know, like I said, a very dangerous racist man, and wow. I hate him, and wow. I hate the fact he's not even elected. And how, how can I, you know, support a country that are putting people like that in charge? I. Uh, I hate it. I really hate it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I got you know, I got nothing for you, man. I'm I'm living I'm living it here. So, all right. Um, yeah, I do like the fact that that he is is kind of preoccupied mentally and his excuses. Um, let me let me throw something by you. And I heard this before, and I and I I I personally didn't necessarily feel it as much in this match as I do in other Zack matches. And I'm going to throw this by you. When you have a Zack match, no matter who he's in the ring with, you're wrestling a Zack-style match. One, do you feel that? And two, is that a good thing? And three, did you feel it in this match specifically? I'm, I would answer... I do see it. I can I can see where people would say that. I don't think it's a bad thing. And I feel like I felt it less in this match than I have in just about any other G1 match so far this year with him. Let me look and see who he's wrestled against so far. So, um, yes, I think Evil wrestled more of a Zack match than an Evil match. Uh, Farley, yeah, that was a Zack match, wasn't it? Because he was sort of climbing all over him doing submissions. The Okada match was very short. It was 12 minutes, but yeah, it was just Zach basically getting all his moves in and then <laughs> losing to a Rainmaker. Right. I thought the Sanada match was more of a balanced match. I thought we saw just as much Sanada in that as we did Zach. And I think the Tanahashi match as well was a good mesh of Zach and 2019 Tanahashi, which is a more map-based, grappling-based Tanahashi. Right. So I would single out those two matches as matches where it was more balanced, but the previous three I mentioned were more Zach matches. Do I think it's a bad thing that he imposes his style on other people? Not for me personally, because I enjoy his style. Um, and I think the matches are more than the sum of their parts, because sometimes you see two people having a match together and 
it's you know, 50% of this guy's moves, 50% of the other guy's moves, and that's it. But I feel that even when Zach's style is the predominant force in the match, I think he draws enough of his opponent out to make it compelling. I agree. I would agree with that. Um, do you think that's a fair criticism of him, though? Well, how true? I guess the question is, is that true of other wrestlers as well? Maybe it's just more noticeable because his style is so new, unique that mm. when other wrestlers impose their style on matches, maybe their style is more generic and you don't notice it as much. Um, like, do you think people again, wrestle I, I, an Okada style? And you're right. Zach, oh, definitely. Zach, I, I think yeah. that Okada matches are, dare I say, are quite formulaic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Zach has a style that's very unique and that, you know, st- sticks out like a sore thumb. So it's easy to say that, yes, you're wrestling a Zach match. You're wrestling it. If you're wrestling Zach, you're wrestling a Zach match. Um, I can see where people can say it. Um, to me, I'm so compelled by the style that maybe I overlook it. I can see where people say that. Um and I think, you know, sometimes whoever's calling the match might have a little bit more say in how the match goes and the match flow and the style. Um, but I can see. I can see where people can, can, can come to that conclusion. It's not the, the craziest thing I've ever heard, that's for sure. All right. Very good. I like the match. I, I, I thought this match was really good, actually. Um, what, what, were, what were complaints about this? What were you saying? Just that it was a, a, a nothing match. It was just, you know, mm. gentlemen's three... Nothing special, forgettable, not interesting. I thought it was better than that. I don't think it was one of the best matches of, of the year, but, I mean, I, I think it was better than that. Um, yeah, I think they've got good chemistry, even Zach. I've enjoyed their series that they've had this year. Did you go four? Um, let me check my star ratings. I need to put these in a spreadsheet, actually, because I like spreadsheets. Uh, three and three quarters. Me too. We're on the same page. I didn't hit four. Um, and three three quarters is a very good match. Uh, yeah, but okay. I I guess if if we're looking at the whole entire tournament as a whole, it might be in the middle of the road. Okay, fair enough. Next match, Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Sanada in eighteen minutes seven seconds with his first high fly flow of uh, the tournament, getting a, a win in the match. What do you think, Damon, of Sanada's thing that he started doing, where he's like doing the the chant off, where he's trying to elicit? cheers from the crowd and comparing the cheers he receives with the cheers that his opponents received. I mean, it's fine. It's him trying to... I'd rather him do that than stare blankly at someone for for five minutes, (laughs) you know, taking off his mask. Um, I don't know. I I mean, he... Look, if if he has a downfall, it's it's finding that connection with a crowd, it feels like. Um... And Which crowd, though? Because I don't think he's having trouble connecting with the Japanese crowd. And from what I heard from the crowd in Dallas, he didn't have a problem connecting with that crowd. Yeah. I I just... I mean, I wouldn't put him at, at an upper echelon of of guys who elicit a response from crowds, would you? For Japanese crowds, I I think I would. From what I've seen this year, he Sonata seems to get yeah quite 
vociferous reactions from domestic crowds. All right, let me be. Let me be. Let me be. Let me be that guy. Is that more of, of a female crowd that you hear chanting along? I don't think so. I think no. there is something about his aesthetic, his aura, his gimmick about a sort of too cool for school guys uh, want to be him. good looking punky right. thing that is um it resonates more with uh japan than it does with the west i could see that i could absolutely see that um you don't like him you don't like you don't like him playing up to the crowd i'm not saying i dislike it i just do i want to see that in the opening of every sonata match because I feel like we've seen it a few times in this tournament. Listen, Joel, everybody likes to be loved and appreciated. Maybe, you know? <laughs> Maybe. So is that he's, he's giving now? He's a deeply insecure man. That's exactly what it is. It's called the Demon. Maybe you've heard of it. Well, as far as this match goes, I, look, Sonata, I've noticed, has become the whipping boy for Wrestler Body Part Twitter. He, he's been singled out by them as being the the worst wrestler in the tournament people saying that Yoshihashi's better than him and uh, isolating animated gif files of him of spots of his that they've found particularly egregious and I don't see that personally I don't think he's been bad at all I mean I've got a record on this podcast his, his first few matches in the tournament I thought were good I I've enjoyed his output in this G1 more than I did last year this match Again, this one I put the phone away and I really concentrated on it and I enjoyed it. It was a good wrestling match between two good wrestlers. Did it connect with me emotionally? No. Was there anything particularly memorable or remarkable about remarkable about it? No. So I have this was kind of a strange match for me. Hmm. I might have liked it a little bit more than you. Um, I thought this was one of Sonata's better ones, actually. Let's put it this way: I didn't, I didn't grab my phone. Um, what, 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 like what? I don't know. I mean, listen, people like different things, and 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 sometimes it's hard for me to wrap my fucking head around that. Um, where I'm just like, wow, what do you mean? Like what? 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 What do people want? What? what they're, they're they're saying he's had a bad G one. Yeah, I, let, let me clarify. My star rate for this match was three and three quarters. Again, I thought it was a really good match. Uh huh. But maybe I'm not articulating myself properly. Um, I don't know. What am I trying to say, Damon? It just it, what what stood out to you in this match? If you had to do the elevator pitch. You're going down in the yeah. elevator with someone, and they say, "Hey, how was that Sonata Tanahashi match last night?" This was a a match between two guys who tried to out wrestle each other, um, and and to me, made it look as compelling as you can. With there wasn't a lot of danger, right? There wasn't a lot. Again, it wasn't. It felt like a. A really good 80s pro wrestling match. And that might not connect with everybody. But that's, like, I truly felt like it was, you know how people got that emotional spark from 
And 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 this is a match that you even said that it was good, but it didn't really connect with me. Uh, Cody's Cody Dustin from AEW, right? Yeah. When I watched that match, I felt old school mid south Memphis wrestling. That's that's what I got from that, right? And it, it kind of tugged at my heartstrings, and maybe the nostalgia button got pressed, right? And I felt that way here. I felt like I was watching like 80s main event, big time spot, NWA title wrestling match from St. Louis, right? That, I really felt that here. Um, this was this felt like an 80s American style pro wrestling match. I guess I could see where people might not connect with that. That's the vibe I got from this, and maybe that's why I might have enjoyed it a little bit more than you did. I think it's notable for something we've been saying for a while that is Tanahashi's style, isn't it? He's definitely toned down his style, and you could see that in this match. Like, again, more sort of grappling-based stuff. I was almost sort of getting echoes, not in terms of the match structure, but just in terms of the dynamics to when Tanahashi wrestled Keiji Muto in is it the main event of Wrestle Kingdom three? You did the say you, you did the uh, the, the uh, podcast, didn't you? On that, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I did. I did uh, eggshells for that. Um, so, do you know what I'm saying with the yeah. kind of the the old older guy on his way out with the up and coming young star kind of aesthetic, where one guy is a, perhaps looking a bit broken down, can't really go like he used to anymore. Well, I think I don't think there's any question that, I mean, obviously with the influence with Sonata and Muda, um, I mean, cut from the same cloth. Uh, here's here's what this was to me, and take this for what it's worth. I felt like this was we're halfway through G1 Tanahashi, where you know that there's other levels, right? As we get deeper. And get closer to the finals. This was this was yeah. middle Same as last year, wasn't it? Yeah, this was middle of G one Tanahashi. That that's like that's what that's what you got, and that's certainly not T shirt Kenny, and that's not you know T shirt Naito, multi man tag Naito. It's middle of G one Tanahashi is what you got in this match. So if if people are pointing fingers at that, okay, I get it. I, I, I like this one a little bit more than maybe others. And again, because uh, maybe it just pushed the nostalgia button for me. Okay. Uh, and to clarify, I think Sonata's having a good tournament. I'm, so I'm firmly on the in the count of Sonata is good. So uh, main event here is Kazuchika Okada defeating Kenta in 26 minutes 53 in front of his hometown fans with the Rainmaker. And they worked the opening five, ten minutes of this match so slowly. Not in a bad way, but just the pace of the match was so slow that I was convinced that they were going for the draw. But they didn't. And this was just, just a, again, really nasty, violent match. And it's refreshing to me to have a guy like Kenta, who is a pure heel, who gets booed. Not because he cheats, but just because he's a prick. And I just the, the way this match built and... Towards the ends, you could see both of them getting really tired and they nearly fell over with some of the, the tombstone go-to-sleep reversals. But I kind of like that. 
I like when they, people get deep into matches and things start to get a bit sloppy and they look tired because it feels more real than people crisply executing choreographed moves. Maybe that's just me, but I thought this worked here. And of course, that uh, this spot that I don't think anyone's going to forget in a hurry with Kenta slapping the absolute shite out of Okada. What a moment. That was just incredible. And I think that is the Kenta that personally I really wanted to see uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And we got him here. I thought this match was terrific. Me too. Fucking love this match. Like, le- legit. Like, honestly, I know that maybe some of these shows that we're reviewing, we, we, you know, we're kind of... This was this is a match where I'm, I'm fucking juiced up over. I loved it. I really did. I, I, I mean, look, again, you're in the ring with Okada. I get it. But, you know, you still got to live up to your end of the bargain as well. And, like, this was... I want to say the first time, but this is where you really got really meat and potatoes, Kenta, right? Um, my biggest concern is is that he has become kick, 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 kick. And he's always been kick, 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 kick. But my biggest fear was we're going to see 20 minutes of just him fucking kicking. And I didn't want that. Like, I just didn't want 20 minutes of him teeing off on Okada. Because obviously... I felt like there was something more, and they delivered more, right? And Kenta delivered more. And really, this was the first opportunity that we really saw glimmers and hopes and what this could be. Look, we still haven't gotten any word of any type of contract, any type of long-term commitment, anything of that nature. He may have signed. He may be here for a while. I All that I can say is we don't know that yet. We have no idea. Right? No one's no one knows for sure. Or no one has told us for sure, should I say. That being said, this this match gives you glimmers of hope. Not even glimmers of hope. This gives you solid concrete hope that investing in Kenta for a year or two is absolutely fucking worth it. Absolutely worth it. You mean to tell me you couldn't see him in a tag situation? You want to fucking you want to you want to resurrect a career? How about a Kenta Goto tag team match? Yes, takeover. Right, right. Talk about resurrection, right? Instantly, like that, right? Uh, I love the drama of this. I love the fact that Kevin Kelly, Rocky, did constantly remind you of the Noah connection, and you know the rival promotion and. Uh, the fact that there, you know, there isn't always the best of blood between that and the fans. I, lo- I, I, there is a part of me that doesn't enjoy it in the sense that okay, you're giving this guy a real fucking hard time here, right? You didn't give half the people that have come back. You know, I don't, I don't hear you know the the um the the venom for for Shingo, right? <laughs> you know, uh. Okay, I, I understand. He's feeding off of that, isn't he? He, but it is. It helps makes it even better, right? There, it is. It is. It does make it even a little bit better. Not even a little bit better. A lot better. I like the fact, and I like the fact that he feeds off of it too. Uh, the fact that he plays at a crowd, does a rainmaker pose, um, and 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 it's kind of enjoying that, making the most of that situation. Love the match. Thought it was outstanding. Uh, I went four and a half. I went four and a half, and. Again, the big, the biggest thing is is that it ga- gave me excited. And here's the thing too: I still think you can do Kenta 
and Okada somewhere down the line. I still think that that is still a match that people would want to see, and I think it's, it'll, it'll, it'll happen. I really do. I think it will happen. Um, and I think I like the fact that when, when they did give Kenta that first loss, it was to a top fucking guy, right? He didn't lose to fucking evil, right? He lost to the heavyweight champion, which I got no problem with. Were you surprised that he lost? Because a lot well, of people, myself included, had that penciled in as a Kenta win. I did too. I definitely did. Um, yes, 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 I was surprised. Um, again, I don't necessarily, I, I do think that they have, I still think they have that in the bag. I don't think they'd wasted it. I don't think, I don't think it's hurt that he did lose. Uh Pro Wrestling Logic 101 to me felt like it was, it would have been perfectly fine for Okada to take the loss. Um, I'll tell you what though, the win really has me at the fact that Okada's running the table here. It really feels like this is an Okada year, and maybe the first time that we see Okada uh, take going to the finals, winning and picking an opponent. I would not be surprised at this point if that were the case. Right, we had a question from Ian. He says, not too long ago, I asked you guys of the possibility of Okada winning. Now, halfway through the tournament, how are those chances looking? So, Okada's remaining matches are, he's got Lance Archer later today, Sanada, Evil, and Ibushi. So, I don't know, because I like the idea, and I I think I said last week, we need to have the champion win at some point just to see what happens, Mm -hmm. just to, you know, have that as a possibility so we don't every year immediately write off the champion's chances of winning the G1. But if you were going to have the champion win, would you have them go 5-0? I mean, are you sort of killing the drama and the suspense there by just having him bulldoze his way through the tournament? I mean, out of those four upcoming matches, Archer, Sonata, Evil, Ibushi, do you think he's losing any of those? I would think he beats Archer, right? I would think he... I think the one that that would ha- I would circle to be like, oh, that one might be tough, would be Ibushi. Right, because to me that helps set up that. I mean, that easily could be a, a, a championship defense, don't you think? Yeah, I think there's reasonable doubt for all of these. Actually, I think Archer would I don't be see Archer. A, a cool. Still- well, I, okay, but just my pitch would that be is that it would be a cool little title defense. Maybe you could do in the states, but it's the third match from the top, so I don't think Archer's going to beat him. Sonada, they've been building this rivalry of theirs where their matches have been going longer and longer and longer and Sonada's been pushing him further and further. So in terms of their long-term rivalry, it wouldn't shock me if that was either a, a time limit draw or if Sonada got the win. And then, you know, we, we, if Sonada gets a title shot, then we're seeing four Okada-Sonada matches right. in the calendar year, right. which is quite a lot. Evil has beaten him before. He beat him in the G1 two years ago. So he's got the history there. And yeah, Ibushi is a, a big enough star. He signed that new contract. You think he, there was a reason he signed that new contract. You think they're going to give him a big push at some point and have him in the title picture. So maybe not so much with Archer, but with Sonata, Evil, Ibushi, you could definitely make the case for him taking a loss there. But again, how do you see it playing out? See, here's the thing. I think as weird as this sounds, I think a Sonata, lo- or a Sonata win or an evil win, does more harm than good to them. And here's why. We've seen Sonata challenge many times. We've seen evil challenge 
times. Another loss to Okada, is that really going to help them? Because you know, even if any of those two get a win, you know for fuck's sake they're not winning the title. You just, you, you just know, right? So I don't know if that's a good thing for them. Um, I, 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 I think Abushi is where it's at. If there's going to be a loss, and I, I trust me, I don't. I'm not 100% set in stone on that. Um, now again, him beating Archer and him beating Evil and him beating Sonata, to me, that just lends more drama to hey. Can Okada go undefeated, right, and be the champion and win? Because not many people have done it, and all that story. And, and then there you go. You got Abushi fucking him over. Okay, but then you're going into that big main event at Budokan Hall with Okada already through. He's already won the block, so he's already going to be in the final. And the main event is him just protecting his unbeaten records, but with no possibility of Ibushi going through. I don't think they do that. Yeah. So you think he? Do you, so you think he? You think he loses to Sonata or an evil or, or evil? Yeah, I, I just think that there's got to be something at stake for that Ibushi Okada match, and Ibushi's already lost to Evil right. and Kenta, right. which means that he would have to win his remaining four matches. And Okada would have to lose two in order. Uh, what do you mean? No, no, he could lose one, and then if Ibushi beats him, then he's level on points, but he's got the tiebreaker. Right? Is that right? So Okada only has to lose once, and then Ibushi wins the, ne- the rest of his matches. Yeah, I think Okada's got to take a loss just yeah. to keep the drama of that final match. Who's who's he losing to? Sonata probably, right? I don't know because Sonata's record is not good in this tournament. It's he's got one win and four losses, so it's not as if he is being pushed hard as a strong challenger, is it? He's as a you know in terms of the results, he's had a poor G one. Right. Do you think they give to Lance? Maybe don't know. Do not think... third from the top. I think yeah. if he's. You know, if you get, if someone's going to upset the champion, then that's got to be co-main or main event. I think they've tipped their hands. Oh, it could be totally wrong. You're going to find out in a matter of hours, but I don't see it. So who's tonight? It's it's Okada Lance. Yes. Give me your thoughts. Give me your predictions right now as we record at 7:51 p.m. on the East Coast. Well, for that particular yep. match. Yep. Okada wins. Okada wins. All right. I don't know. Lance win? Title defense? That would be fucking great. I would love that. Wouldn't it be great? I would love it if Lance wins. All right. Fingers crossed. Let's get some good karma. Lance wins. Lance wins. I don't think it's going to happen, but let's hope. All right. So that's that night, right? We we put that one to bed. Okay. Another question. Glosius says, what's the possibility of a card of winning the G1 and defending on both nights? I presume he means Wrestle Kingdom against two potential forthcoming losses this tournament. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen because I don't see any of those four guys, Archer, Sanada, Evil, Ibushi, having a challenge at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, Damon, if I put a gun, you know, Super J-Cast gun to your head now, who's winning A block? I said Tanahashi, and he's still in the mix, obviously. 
I mean, Okada's got to lose like more than one though. He's got to, you know. Um, gun to my head, I'm saying Okada right now. Okay. Uh, a question from Chris. He says, who the fuck is going to beat Okada now? It's safe to assume Sonata will beat Okada since it's headlining over Tanahashi Ibushi, but who mm. else orders Okada win the G1? So I think we've answered that question, yeah. but uh, Chris has brought out the salient point that that Sonata Okada match is headlining that show. So if, yeah. take that for what it's worth. And yeah, should we move on to the next night of G1 Climax matches, which was... Uh, Sunday, July 28th in Aichi Prefectural Gymnasium, attendance of 5,278. And we opened up the G1 matches with Hiroki Goto defeating Toriyano in 1 minute 42 with, uh, uh, it says, Goto style roll up. <laughs> so uh, I thought, <laughs> Goto style roll up, that's what it says on the website. Uh, I thought Yano leading the chaos chant was quite funny. And uh, yeah, right. it's a one minute, 42 second Yano match. What what can I say? What do you want me to say? Right. It's, it, it was exciting and fun and it did all it needed to do. T-shirts and it, yeah. And uh, and that was that. So good, good on everyone. Great job. Next. Next. Whew. Next, we had Tomohiro Ishii defeating Juice Robinson, 17 minutes 54, with a vertical drop brain buster. This, this feels like a different Juice Robinson, like a different man. We're watching a different wrestler out there. He feels like he's a man. Feels like he's really grown up. Sandpaper. The Moxley match has changed him. Yep. And he is just looking like a tough-as-nails, credible main event guy he's just he's carrying that aura he just looks like a, a serious guy out there yep. and I love it I thought this match was great just one tiny criticism I thought there were a few too many of the uh, no sort of fighting spirit no yep. cells yeah yep. sort of popping up after big moves I thought they yep. went to that well once too many times but uh, maybe that's a bit of a nitpick I thought this was great and I particularly enjoyed when Ishii reversed the pulp friction into the tiger suplex because that looked incredible what did you think about this match? I, I, I agreed with your one little critique, and, and, I'm, and I'm right there with you. And again, it, I feel like it is nitpicky. But yeah, it, that kind of got a little bit old with, with, the, with the constant no-selling of, of the shit and yeah, the fighting. But again, I, I can kind of see where you want to do that with Juice, especially with a guy like Ishii, because you know we're trying to, to establish sandpaper and grit and toughness and he's not just the you know the dancing bear and and the and the and the, and the fringe and all that you know shit he's coming across as as a legitimate con- that's the thing like he's coming across as a legitimate guy a legitimate guy who when if and when he holds other singles or even tag Gold, he he seems credible, right? Again, I, I, I've always said that that characters, characters, wrestlers need conflict, and they need, and I, I call it grit and and sandpaper, and and they need that. It helps to helps them, it helps elevate them, and this is what we're seeing in front of our eyes of Juice taking that next level. I, here's the thing: I really appreciate the fact that. One, the company is patient. They always seem to be. But that juice is as well. I mean, this has been a real slow burn. 
I mean, this juice transformation is over two years old, right? I mean, this is not like we're hot-shotting somebody. And I think, here's the thing. Does anyone have credibility issues with Juice Robinson right now? No, and here's the thing. It's a great question. I remember my jumping in points to New Japan was, as I said, Wrestle Kingdom 11 and seeing Juice basically as the enhancement talent to put over Cody. And I saw Juice, you know, with his rainbow gear and I was like, okay, this is just like a, a, a foreign jobber to the stars. And so he came in for me on that just absolute basement level there. And now he looks like, to, to me, I think a guy who could challenge for not necessarily win, but be a credible challenger for the top prize. Yeah, yeah. He, he could be. He could get the get into the G one final. I thought that would, I would have no problems with that. Get, uh, let's, let's say we have Okada versus Juice in the G one final. I wouldn't be scratching my head thinking, "What Juice Robinson in the G one climax right. final? What's going on here?" Right. To me, it would feel like uh, like a Carl Anderson, right? It would, it, I mean, as a, as a bad analogy, but it would feel in in that world in that realm um look this is this is textbook classic slow build japanese pro wrestling with a new japan spin right uh, uh, slow burn paced with a payoff with lit- here's the thing not with a full plate of payoff but every once in a while, you could get invested in juice, and then you get a little bit more invested, and then you get a little big, bit, bit bigger of a taste, and you get a little bit bigger of a taste. And yet, what, what you have right now is credibility. There's no one complaining about, ah, oh, fucking Juice Robinson is in, you know? No one is. And, and even with this G1, you're building and building and building on top of that. Uh, I love this match. I thought this match was fucking great. Again, it's fucking... Ishii, I mean, come on. What? A, I mean, every fucking year, it's unbelievable. But, yep, you can cart him out, and he just performs at such a high level and such an entertaining level that, you know, you almost come to expect it, you know? It's almost become the point, a point where, okay, yeah, you, it's, it's going to be great, and, and that's that. But, yeah, full marks for Juice on this one. He, he did outstanding, and, and he's right there with him. That, that's something, you know, that's something to say. So, Again, we're watching the progression. Everyone's involved in it. Everybody's kind of getting those little mor- morsels of payoff. Um, and it's a win for everybody. For everybody. My voice is cracked. Did you hear that? Everybody. I'm Peter Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm starting to like girls and get hair in private areas. I sound like Jackie Martling. <laughs> Clams, everybody. That, that bit of audio is being isolated and put on this <laughs> compilation. Yeah. Messed up. All right, our next match then was Jeff Cobb defeating Taichi in 12 minutes, 30 seconds with the Tour of the Islands. One thing I noted from here, which was interesting, that uh, I didn't know before, but apparently when Taichi does his brawling in the crowd and knocks over everyone's chairs, Miho Abe goes around afterwards and resets everyone's chairs for them. Isn't that nice? Aww, nice that lady. is nice. I did hear Kevin Kelly, but when she was setting up the table, uh, I guess she may have missed Kevin's seat. Kevin was like, what about me? <laughs> and then she did it she i, yeah, I saw yeah. the video she put his water bottle back up she put yep. his chair in the right place what what a sweetheart she really is she's got a heart of gold she's got a heart of gold uh ah oh, she's so attractive too 
I mean, I can't listen. I don't think anybody would de- de- deny that. But that is one attractive person. No fucking doubt about it. Imagine spending one, 24 hours in that. Could, would you, could you imagine oh, what life would be like? Just amazing. What, just to be Miho Abe for a day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Imagine what, what would you, oh, man. I would, oh, my God. What would you wear? <laughs> I try to think of something wholesome that really, that do. really. Do you, do you, would you go? I'm failing though. Really? No, me neither. Let oh. everyone show your support for Miho by uh, buying her gravure. Is that how you pronounce it? Gravure. D-E-D. I don't know how it's pronounced, but it's it's dirty. Put, putting some money in her pocket. Come yeah, on, put some money. Yeah, trust me, it's worth it. Um, yeah, she's just a stunning, stunning person. Like there's there's beauty, right? And then there's that. Yeah, God. she's so good. You know, there's some people who's so attractive that you look at them and it kind of hurts you a bit. Yeah, you get this kind of stabbing pain in your heart. You're like, oh, yeah, you're so beautiful. Where was I when they were dealing this out? You know what I mean? Like, was I like on vacation someday where they were handing out beauty? Because Jesus Christ, on a stick, this fucking person is unbelievable. Whew. Like I hope, I hope her feet stink. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I you, need you want something... there to be something really wrong with her, right? I want her. Otherwise, to have... it's not fair, right? I want her to have like, like just like gunk coming out of her ear or something, or just horrible breath. Something, something's gotta be fair in this, because it's just not fucking fair. God damn! All right, we gotta wrestle. All right, <laughs> what did you think of the match? Who fucking cares? She's great. Um... It was all right. I it was okay. What, 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 what do you want me to say about Ty? Listen, I'll, let's talk about Jeff Cobb. We haven't talked about Jeff Cobb at all. What yeah, are your feelings about Jeff Cobb? Questions about him. Yeah. What are your feelings about Jeff Cobb? This G one. Let me throw the questions at you, and oh, we can right. uh, give our responses framed uh, via the questions. So, Wintle Wintlesk says, "Why does Jeff Cobb look bad in this G one, even when he wins, or is it my imagination?" And Jazz says, "Something isn't clicking all the way with Cobb's run in New Japan. What do you think it is? It always seems he's not taking full advantage of his physical abilities against his opponents." I I do agree with those. Um, I think it might just be a case, and I hate to say it of his physical conditioning because he just looks like he's getting blown up and gassed and tired mm-hmm. quite early on into these matches and it's a really grueling schedule and I, maybe he hasn't done anything like this before so I don't know, I'm not going to bury him for that but that could be one factor I don't think he's been horrible I don't think he's been bad I don't think he's been embarrassing I don't think he's been um below average i think he's been a solid c b minus which sticks out sometimes like a sore thumb when you're looking at a pluses and you know at worst b's in especially a and even b um here's the thing i don't think he has done anything to help his cause for New Japan to say, mm, let's bring him back. I don't think he, I don't think that there is a, a good argument that anyone can come to the table with to say, let's see Jeff Cobb in G1 next year. 
And again, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that he's terrible. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm saying he's. It's good. It's been good. It's been good. Um, he's no it, Michael Elgin. I know we keep bringing it back. But I, other people I, listen, are making the comparisons, but yeah, he's, not. he's not showing it. No, he's not. And and trust me, I know. I remember all of them. All of all. Everybody. Every every person that that is wasn't a fan of Michael Elgin. Just, just put Jeff Cobb in there. He's a better. He's a better Michael Elgin. He's a better. Remember all those comments? <coughs> yeah. Wrong. That's okay. But that's. I mean, it hasn't been. He. It. It just hasn't been. Um. Again, this is not to say that that Jeff Cobb has been awful. He hasn't. He's been okay. He's been good. Um. But if I. But truth be told. If I had to sit here and, and, and rank everyone, and somebody's got to be at the bottom of the list, he's down there. He's down near the bottom. He's not the bottom. He's down near the bottom. Let's put it this way. I've, he hasn't done anything to have me say, sign him up for next year, lock him down. I'd be perfectly fine if he wasn't in next year. I've said before that I think his best kind of opponents are people who are significantly smaller than him who will fly around the ring and bump like crazy for him and with this block you don't have those kinds of people I think there is possibility for that for the Naito match and weirdly for the Shingo match I think Naito and Shingo will have really good matches with Jeff Cobb and I also think the fact they had such a banger with Ishii off the bat then made all the subsequent matches a bit disappointing so yeah, I just think the the block that he's been put in doesn't bring the best out of him as a wrestler. I think his best matches have been against guys like Will Ospreay or Adam Page, who can yeah t- take big bumps for him and make him look like a monster. Okay, fair enough. But you know, you could say the same thing about Lance. But Lance, let's put it this way: you put Jeff Cobb in that match against Fale. How do you think that's going to turn out? <laughs> I kind of want to see it now, just just out of morbid curiosity. Yeah. Okay. Just imagine the amount of sweat. Oh my lord! I mean, it would be like just might as well just have a swimming pool match. Uh, I hate when people drip sweat on other people. Isn't that the grossest thing in the world? Oh, it's just, just dripping sweat. Like even when I can feel, you know, when it's a hot day and you can feel a bead of sweat just trickling down your, ass your back or your belly, or just when you just feel it trickling, there's just ugh, yeah, it just makes my skin crawl. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. So there's Jeff Cobb. I don't give a shit about this match. Let's talk about the main event. Uh, no, we've got a question from Elliot about Taichi. Oh. Kevin Kelly says, Taichi represents everything bad in life. I'm finding it hard to disagree with this. What are Taichi's good qualities, not as a wrestler, but as a character or possibly as a person? Well, for one, he must be doing something right to have Miho with him. Right. Um, I, hmm. here's, I, here's what I think. Yeah. I can give relatable quote. I would say that he I I can relate to him because he is proud and deeply insecure and acts like a bit of an asshole to other people because he's got a chip on his shoulder because he doesn't think he's being respected enough. So I can see a lot of myself in Tai Chi personally. <laughs> Why not? Um 
I mean, that sounds right up. He sounds like he would fit right in like a glove. Um, self-indulgent. Self-indulgent. <laughs> likes to put himself over. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't feel like he gets a fair shake. Um, yeah, it's pretty much, pretty much it. He's he's big, gr- big grudge against New Japan management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, doesn't feel like he gets the spotlight. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's what I would go with. That that that's I think that's fair. Good. <laughs> no, I don't know if those are positive qualities. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if those are positive qualities, but those are qualities nonetheless. Well, Elliot, that's what you're getting from the Super J cast. So if you're still listening to us, that means you must find some of those qualities redeeming because right. that's pretty much all we're giving you. So there yeah. you go. We're the Tai Chi of, pi- of podcasts. <laughs> if we I'll really are. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, our next match then was main event. No, it wasn't. It was a semi-main event. Uh, Jay White defeating Shingo Takagi. 19 minutes, 26 with Blade Runner. Uh, <laughs> but all I said about concentrating hard on Jay White matches... I was quite sick this day. I fell asleep several times during this match. I haven't gone back to rewatch it. Was it that bad? Or was it my sin? What did you think of this match? I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think okay. it was bad. Um, by no stretch was it bad. Uh, I thought it was good. Um, I'm going to be truthful. I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain about what, what highlights I had on this. And I'm struggling. Now that might just be my Alzheimer's kicking in, but uh, I can't tell you that that um. Look, I I don't think it's going to be a top match of the tournament. That's for sure. I, I'm, I mean, Blade Runner finish, right? Yeah, I think if I remember one thing, it was that <laughs> the finish was relatively clean i think he did a sequence of moves maybe he did like a i want to say like a suplex or brain buster something like that to set it up rather than doing the little finisher reversal dance mm. if i remember correctly it was pretty clear cut yeah all right can uh, listen i'm gonna be honest with you i want to talk about this fucking main event can we talk about this main event um yeah go ahead bring it up set set the table because i got a lot to say about this main event Okay, this was John Moxley defeating Tetsuya Naito in 16 minutes 41 with a Death Rider. Damon, take it away. Okay, how we feeling, Naito fans? How we feeling? Uh, lot of, I'm hearing a lot of disgruntledness. I'm hearing a lot of worry. I'm hearing a lot of... Uh, we've got people in our mentions saying they've unsubscribed from New Japan World because they're so upset with this result. Oh, stop it. That's ridiculous. Really? Yeah, I did reply to them and say, wait till he's mathematically eliminated first. Yeah. It's, we're halfway through the G1. And, Hold your horses. And you're going to cancel because a guy that you like is arguably being booked poorly? Come on. Stop it. Really? <laughs> Come on. God almighty. Uh, I can see where people are pushing the panic button. I could see this. If I know that that you go up and down from different wrestling podcasts, articles, websites, Twitter mentions, I don't think there were many people that thought Naito was losing this match. I don't think hope is lost 
And I think it does make for a a pretty miraculous comeback because not only does Naito have to win now, correct me if I'm wrong, Joel, but he needs help as well, right? He needs like Yano to win. And- yes. So he needs to win all his remaining four matches, which are against, so Naito has matches left against Jeff Cobb, Juice Robinson, Shingo, and Jay White. And he also needs John Moxley to lose all of his matches against Goto, Juice, Jay White, and Yano. So, I think the the only one there that people unanimously seem to think you know is the biggest worry is Goto. They cannot see Goto beating John Moxley. They can see Yano beating John Moxley. Again, I could see some sort of wacky scenario where he uh, tapes John Moxley to Shota Umino and gets a count out while John Moxley's like trying to drag Shota into the ring or something like that. But okay. people cannot see Goto beating. John Moxley. So uh, a lot of Naito fans are giving up hope. I don't see how Moxley can go undefeated. Obviously, he's going to have to lose one, but I can't see him getting the table run on him here. Look, you've gone out of your way to give John Moxley big wins, strong wins over, you know, higher middle of the road people in your promotion. That first loss has got to be pretty meaningful, don't you think? Like, you don't lose to fucking Yano in your first loss. Okay, if he doesn't, let's say he goes out there, what is it, Thursday, and beats Yano. Naito's eliminated. So that means that uh, Budokan match between Tetsuya Naito and Jay White, Naito's got nothing to play for there. Can you imagine that? I can't see that. Neither can I. I can't see it. Neither can I. So now, so Moxley's got to go for a massive losing streak, and 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 hear me out here. And I think this is important. Right before your TV tapings for AEW, you think AEW's enjo- enjoying that to have your your guy go on a losing streak like that right before TV tapings? Maybe it's a political hit. <laughs> Doing it on purpose to damage all his credibility before the TV tapings. Is this what this is? Is this what this is? Uh, doesn't that seem weird, right? To have fucking rattle off five losses? Four losses? Whatever it is? That seems a lot, doesn't it? Look, there's a lot in this tournament where I'm left scratching my head. I cannot picture a scenario where New Japan purposely goes into that Budokan show without having Naito and Jay White mean something. I can't imagine a scenario where that happens. Where you know three or four days, five days, a week in advance, that that match is meaningless. Unless... (laughs) It's the opening tournament match. So, you, you know, you have your six-man suzuki Goon versus Kells tag team match, and then fifth match, you got uh, Jay White and Naito going out, having an 11-minute you know, decent match. Right. <laughs> Jay White gets a win. We'll move on. Right, right, right. In a way, can you, I can't picture a scenario like that, Joel. I just can't. I find it very difficult to believe. So I know it's, it seems very desperate for Naito fans. Now, I will even go so far as to say this, Joel. Even if Naito isn't in the finals here and shits the bed in this G1, 
I still, I still truly believe, unless I'm completely missing the fucking mark. Naito's headlining one of these fucking dome shows against Okada for that title. I gotta fucking believe that, right? I mean, this is yeah, two, three years. They haven't in the touched making. that match. Right. They haven't touched it since uh, January 4th, 2018. So what are they saving it for? I'm going to throw something out here that I know people don't want to fucking hear, but I'm going to say it anyway. And we're going to play a little devil's, devil's advocate. Doesn't necessarily mean I believe it. I'm just posing a theory. What if they think Naito is not the guy? Is that a rhetorical question, or do you want me to answer that? I, I mean, what if they think Naito is not the guy? Maybe he's not the guy we think he is. Again, pro wrestling is really fucking weird, where something silly, like, I don't know, he looked at me the wrong way. He said the wrong word to my, to my, to my girlfriend. He did uh, whatever. It's fucking weird. Pro wrestling is fucking weird. But my two pence, my two cents, is that I think the booking committee is trying to make you think that they think Naito is not the guy. Okay. And I think they're doing everything they can to make all the Naito fans give up hope and the redemption starts mm-hmm. here. Maybe like this is... No, I've got no horse in this race. I don't really care. I would like Naito to win. I hope Naito wins. I want him to go and win the belt at Wrestle Kingdom because I think it will be a, a great story and like I said I feel personally invested in it having been there at Wrestle Kingdom 12 and seeing his little disappointed face afterwards and he's trying to smile and pretend like he doesn't care but you can see his, his heart's broken because he's, he's lost it on the big stage I would like him to win but I'm not a massive massive Naito fan I'm not going to be terribly upset if he loses you're not going to cancel your subscription I'm not going to cancel I'm not going to cancel the podcast no but even with all that said, the fact that I'm not that bothered one way or the other, I still think that's the direction they're going with it. And, you know, again, you're putting the Super J-Cast gun to my head. I, I think Moxley's going 0-4. I think Naito's going 4-0. I think Naito's... I, I still think Naito's winning the G1. And I'm confident enough that I saw the, the bet come up on Unibet. And I asked my friend Alan. The odds were... It was 13-2. to two or, mm-hmm. And then it went 6-1 to one for Naito to win the G1. And I said to Alan... Put £100 on that. Yeah? And, and give, give me back £700 for Naito winning the G1. I was that confident. Fuck right. Look at... Look Scampy's at... confident. <laughs> Woo! But they wouldn't accept the bet. They they reduced the stake to £10. Oh. So Unibet must know something's up as well. Aha. Uh-huh. So Unibet is in bed with Uncle Harold, is what you're trying to tell. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. I just thought it was interesting. Very good. So you tried to take advantage. Listen, I'm in full agreement. I agree with you. I think Naito fans don't let's 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 see how this thing, as the great DMAs would say, play it out. Uh, because I think that's where that's where you're going to hang your hat. I think they're, all hope is not lost, and they're they're trying to squeeze every last yep. drop of drama, and they. Just they, I again, this might I, I could have ended up look sound like an absolute idiot by the time yep. we record next week, by Thursday even. But I just think they are playing the Naito fans 
the LIJ fans like a fiddle and they've got them right in the palm of their hand but at the end of the day they're going to deliver because okay. they I, I just they they must know they hear the re- responses to Naito they see all the Naito merchandise the LIJ merchandise and I think they know what it would mean and how great it would be to have Naito winning that belt at Wrestle Kingdom and not everyone would agree with me but that's just my feelings on it now let me ask you just real quick you got arguably one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time in arguably his greatest era, still at the peak of his game, still young, still learning, as, as crazy as that sounds, as your world champion in the face of the company. Why would you upset the apple cart at this point to make the change and give it to Naito? Because time is on his side and time is not on Naito's side. And physically, you know, Naito has dodgy knees. So I think you want to capitalize on the Naito bandwagon, give him his iconic definitive title run, and Okada can easily get the belt back somewhere else down the line. Fair enough. Okay. Logical. It's fine. I, I'm, I, I got no problem with that. Attendance up, gate up, profits up. Business is good. We're gonna we're gonna upset the apple cart a little bit, make him the champ. All right. I, I, you I know, you, you look at all those polls. Every time we get one of these popularity things, mm-hmm. the magazines or whatever in Japan, and Naito is always right up there. It's always he and Tanahashi at the top, leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else. True. Look, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying I'm just trying to pose some some logic and some ideas here to say of why maybe they wouldn't do it. But, okay. Uh, but to me, again, branded gun to the head. They're doing it. Have some faith. Keep the faith. Away we go with Naito. As far as the match itself, I thought it was a very good match. I really like Naito taking forever to undress. It's like button by button and Moxley getting more and more incensed. And then finally Naito just throws his trousers at Mox. I thought that was great. And some really memorable spots as well where uh, Moxley's sitting on the chair and Naito did that running drop kick from the ramp. You know, I say that he's physically beat up and got bad knees. You wouldn't be able to tell from the way that it works in the ring. And Naito's bumping. Uh, this is something that I also noticed when looking back at the 2017 G1 final. His bump is incredible. That kind of weird headlock, like pile driver thingy that Moxley did. And Naito just landed straight on his head and was just like balanced in the air like a weeble. Just sort of got he got really good airtime on that. It was just absolutely sickening. And I loved it. And just the way the two characters played off each other was superb. Just riling each other up and pushing each other to extremes of emotions. And let's talk about that post-match interview from John Moxley with Shota Umino. He's a real panty dropper, ain't he? <laughs> That was, that was really good, though. I'm just going to stand here with my middle finger as you talk. Um, give me a grade for Moxley so far. I was I was harsh on him to start with, but from the Ishii match, and the Shingo match, and this Naito match, I'm tempted to give him an A. Mm-hmm. A B plus. Give him a B plus. All right. I, I, I would say B plus as well. I think he's done outstanding. Very good job. Um, dare I say even better than I thought. Um, 
and it's pretty amazing. Nate, right now, at 8.42 p.m., is there a hotter guy in pro wrestling? No, and that's something I'm going to talk to you about in a bit. But he feels like the biggest star on the planet in this business right now. It sure is. New Japan, um, smart cookies there. Some smart cookies taking advantage of a guy who, uh, talking about making the most of a situation, right? He, he right and, now. And I've said this he, before. Yeah. How many guys are sitting in other companies feeling that they're undervalued, underappreciated, mm. underutilized, their contracts are coming up, looking at John Moxley, 5 and 0 in the G1, wins over Ishii, wins over Naito, just knocking it out of the park, having tremendous matches, having that creative freedom to do whatever the hell you want. I'm thinking, I want a piece of that pie. Yeah. And this is not me saying that I want New Japan to sign all of the you know the rejects from other promotions. I don't want that at all. But I'm just saying that this kind of thing, John Moxley is gonna the, the way he's been booked and promoted in New Japan and all AEW is going to have a knock on effect for the wrestling business. And I think it's a good one. Yeah. There's something to be said. You know, when Cody kind of rocked the apple cart, I'll say it again. I'm sure that there were a lot of people that, you know, oh, well, he's one guy. And then you look at Jericho, and you're like, oh, okay. Uh, But, yeah, but he's, you know, Chris Jericho, and he's, you know, worked in the biggest stages, and he, you know, and now you look at John Moxley. So, you know, and and listen, you could even make the argument. You could, if you really wanted to dive deep, you could say juice. You know, um, well, it's interesting actually. You've mentioned those guys because we got people there from four different tiers of WWE. We got yep. Juice, who was at right at the bottom and was just given nothing. He's gone over there, made himself a star. We've got uh, Cody, who was a mid carder, a, a solid mid carder, and he's gone off and done his own thing made himself a star. We got uh, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, who was, you know, he, he had his little, his cup of coffee with the big belt, being a main eventer, but just wasn't really kept at that level. He's gone off, made himself a star. Chris Jericho, people thinking he's done it all. He's won all the titles. He's had his moment in the sun. He's, he's old, he's past. He doesn't need to do it anymore. He's gone off and made himself a star. So we've got four people from four different tiers who have all gone off and made themselves into arguably bigger stars elsewhere. And you forgot about Ryback. (laughs) (laughs) How could I forget about Ryback? (laughs) So, you know, uh, you're right. Look, I I mean, if anything, it speaks volumes to what... Look, New Japan Pro Wrestling lets pro wrestlers be pro wrestlers. And really, that's the bottom line. They don't have to be C-level comedians. They don't have to be C-level actors. They can go out and be pro wrestlers and do what they do best. And uh, that's really the bottom line. I, I, I wish there was another way I could spin it and, and try to come up with something creative. Really, that's it. They're just letting them do what they do best. And, you know, when you, when you give somebody that, that rope, um, yeah, there is a danger of, yeah, they could, they could you know, not do well. And nine times out of ten, I think, you see what you get and you just see another level in their performance and the motivation. And um, it's amazing what happens when, when they have fun again, 
right? And they, and they enjoy going to work. It is pretty amazing when that happens, uh, when uh, your employees are your biggest commodity. That's, that's saying something. Here, here. Um, we have a question from Nicole, Booz Leprechaun, who says, regardless of the final outcome at the G1, just how amazing is the booking committee? And Juice919100 says, is this the most unpredictable G1 climax you've ever seen from a booking standpoint? And I was talking uh, to Nicole about this before we started recording, and she said, uh, and I quote, personally, I think match quality was better overall last year, but the booking and storylines have me glued to my TV. I don't remember jumping out of my seat last year as much as I have this year, which is something I 100% agree with. This is just incredibly dramatic and compelling and from this point onwards all of us are going to be hanging on every single near fall of all the Moxley matches all the Naito matches all the Jay White matches and I just think the, the unpredictability and the drama is terrific even if this is not you know best bouts and five star matches it's just very very compelling I think I think the match quality is there I mean you you have a match of the year contender in this you know a blow away uh, you you have multiple four five star matches. Um, here's here's what this does for me though. What this G one has done, and and they always do a good job of it. Don't get me wrong, but it feels like this year it is over amp- amplified. Is it scratching that sports itch that people had? Of okay, can this team go on a run? Okay, it's the playoffs. You know, it's you know Champions League, and it's five weeks left to go in the season, and you know, you're separating fourth from first by like a handful of points. Um, it's that drama. It's that sports drama that, you know, kind of gets people like me a fucking boner because it's, you know, it feels like the Stanley Cup playoffs. It feels like, uh, you know, uh, football playoffs where if you love pro wrestling it, 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 and, and, and here's the thing, you can do it because it is pro wrestling, but it's not the easiest thing to do is to get that dramatic Look, I, I say all the time in, in my personal life that sports, to me, is the best reality television. There's, reality television was invented years ago when they televised sports because, to me, that's drama, and especially when you have a lot on the line. Um, and what G1 does is it, is it replicates the best of sports um, in a pro-wrestling environment. So you get the best of both worlds. What I say storyline wise, is it like, like he, you know, whatever you're used to with with like Americanized pro wrestling when it comes to storyline and the soap opera element, I don't necessarily feel. I feel that this is a like if you're a fan, even a little bit of of sports, this scratches that itch so fucking hard, uh, and it feels so good. Because you're sitting there and you're geeking out over, okay, this guy's got this many points, but if this guy loses here, like we're sitting here fucking for 15, half an hour talking about points and possibilities and shit like that. And to me, that, that, I love that. I love geeking out over that. To me, that, when I, when I talk about geeking out over pro wrestling, it's this. Um, And that's why I love this time of year so much. Let me ask you at this point, we're halfway through the G1. Who do you, who are your two finalists and who wins in the final? I, and I love that. How good yeah, is that? That we yeah. neither of us we've got no fucking idea. We got we are literally no just just spitballing shit because we don't. Uh, look, 
to me, Naito's got to got to go on a run, and I think he will, and I think he wins the block. It just makes the most sense. I can't see them not having that match at Budokan mean anything. I, I just can't. I can't see any reason why, and I think they're smarter than that. Than that, and I think Naito goes on a big run, and I think he makes it to the finals. I think A block is is. Look, right now, Okada's got to lose, too. You would think Sonata might be the one main event. <sighs> I still say Tanahashi. I still feel Tanahashi in my gut. All right, Oka- let, let's break that down. Let me yeah. let me run with that. So Tanahashi has got Evil, Fale, Ibushi, and Osprey left. He's already got two losses. He's lost to Kenta. He's lost to Okada. So... There's not much room for error here. No. If he wins all of those matches, and that one against Ibushi, I don't know if he beats Ibushi because he you know, beat him in the G1 final last year and I could see Ibushi getting his win back there. If he does win those four, then he's still got two losses against Kenta and he's got he's lost the match against Okada. So then Okada would have to lose three or maybe lose two and draw one in order for Tanahashi to go through. Yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? I think Tanahashi's off the table, personally. You might be right. I, or is he? I'll tell you what, the, the one match that scares me, and we kind of were looking at Okada being the, the guy for for Big Will. Imagine Will getting a win over Tanahashi. Yeah. Imagine that. I can see it. Imagine that. He'd that. Be a made man. He would instantly be a made man. And you know they love Will. Imagine that. Oh, it's, I look. I mean, the the math kind of screams Okada to me. I still, in my gut, feel like Tanahashi. No, they're not. They're not going to do Okada Naito in the G one final. If that's the match they're doing, yeah, for they're the not. Dome, yeah, they're doing. They're for not the giving you that for the final. No. I think the chalk pick Naito Ibushi. Ibushi. So again, that that will be the fourth Naito Ibushi match this year. Yeah, it's He's getting lot. it. That's why I said Tanahashi. Who the fuck knows? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, look, you can talk yourself into any of those scenarios, and you can easily talk yourself out of every one of those scenarios. There's not a scenario on the table where you're like, yep, straight ahead, pew, that's where we're going. You can talk yourself into... We've reached that sweet spot in the tournament with four matches remaining where there's just enough flexibility... And uncertainty with the permutations that you can have these. We won't be able to have these conversations by the next time we record. No. No. I think. Probably just not. with four matches left, there's just that uncertainty there in the wiggle room where you can make these little, oh, if this guy beats this and then draws against this guy, then this guy could get through. And uh, it's delicious. I love it. Yeah. There's so many possibilities that you can go with. I mean, this entire show has been scenario. Nah, you, they, they could never do that. Well, they could do that. Okay, how about this scenario? Yeah, they could do that. But that, that's been this. this is, it's been two hours and 26 minutes of us doing that. How fucking great is that? It's flown by. It absolutely flown by. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. All, All right. right. So there you go. I mean, this let me, is, let me throw here's another the one at you. Okay. Oh, no. no go okay. Ahead. Here we go. I mean, look. Here's the problem. This particular show is going to have a, sh- a shelf life of 20 minutes. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, I mean, people are going to listen to this, and, and the show tonight is going to be over by the time many people listen to this. So we're either going to look like geniuses or look like total fucking idiots. 
<laughs> yeah, my money's on the latter. Okay, I'm going to throw another one at you. Mark says, how do you feel that Dean Ambrose is taking food off people's plates and headlining the dome against Okada, brother? Oh, now, I oh. did, you know, If you're looking at it purely, and Scampy's with me on this one, we, we both sat here and said, John Moxley is the hottest guy in wrestling right now. From a business standpoint, you could not necessarily, uh, well, you could argue, but there is something to be said for saying, this is the hottest guy in wrestling right now. Let's strap the rocket to him. Moxley wins the G1. Moxley challenges against Okada at the time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, so Mally's coming here and she's uh, teasing, giving a treat to the cats, which is why there's a lot of uh, screaming going on right now. So... <laughs> Yeah, if you're looking purely business, think about the number of casual eyeballs that it would draw to Wrestle Kingdom 14 if you have your main event, Okada being challenged by John Moxley, maybe even an unbeaten John Moxley, uh, John Moxley who's running the table in AEW as well, challenging Okada for that top prize. And that brings with it a whole host of questions about uh, you know neglecting the domestic talent, which I accept, but what would you say to that uh, Moxley Okada Wrestle Kingdom main event Moxley winning the G1 as much as I've enjoyed John Moxley in this tournament I don't want to see Okada at Wrestle Kingdom against John Moxley I just don't I don't want to see a walk and brawl at any point in that match I, I feel like you have Okada at Wrestle Kingdom, the expectation is an epic pro wrestling match. And I don't think that John Moxley is the style that I want to see in the ring with Okada on that particular stage. So I'm going to go no. I would not want that. Um, I understand the business. I understand the eyeballs. I understand all that. I think AEW has a big factor in that. Um, I don't know if necessarily we see that. Um, so I'm going to pass on that suggestion. Do you accept that there is something to be said for that in terms of business though? Yeah. And, I, and I'm not saying that I think this should happen, but just playing devil's advocate here in terms of drawing casual Western eyeballs to the product as they've done with Cody, as they've done with Jericho. And again, I'm not saying this is, would be a good thing, but can you see the argument to be made for, for that making sense? Oh, I think there's a definite argument to be made without question from a pure business standpoint alone. Yeah, I mean, I could see where people would would get on that hill. Um, me personally, again, I I I, I think you got you got to put Okada and Naito in, in that building. You just fucking have to. I did. I was sort of tongue in cheek, but I did say on Twitter that. Was, we keep hearing from Meltzer about the lack of a working relationship between New Japan and AEW. Give me a percentage chance that the whole thing is a work and that Wrestle Kingdom 14 ends up being a massive New Japan versus All Elite supercard. <laughs> uh, a UWFI uh, New Japan supercard. Um, I'd have to go 20%. I can't, I can't see it happening. I really can't. And it could be it could be the most elaborate massive work in the history of pro wrestling. I just 
I just don't see it right now. I, maybe down the road. Maybe down the road. And, and again, we got two buildings to fill. And I'm going to be truthful. It probably would fill it. I just, I kind of want to see Okada Naito get paid off. Yeah, me too. Um, Summer Sonata says, with Moxley being pushed like he is in the G1, do you think New Japan and All Elite have a secret agreement to work together and share talent? I don't think so. This is, is an independent guy who, they he signed his New Japan deal first, so I don't think there's a secret agreement. No, I don't think there's a secret ingredient. I don't think there's a secret. Um, I think there's no secret that uh, first, though, and then New Japan, um, and I don't, I can't blame them, and I think everybody knows that. So no, I don't think there's, I really don't think there's anything in cahoots or secret or, uh, listen, I'm sure that there's conversations. I don't know 100. percent I don't have anybody telling me anything of the ilk, but I'm sure that they have conversations. Why wouldn't you? I don't. I think the idea of them hating each other and not talking to each other and all that—I don't think that's true. But I don't think that this is a rosy, you know, let's hop in the bed together. I don't think it's that either. Again, I think they're just friends. They're just friends. Phil says, "What are the odds of a Kenta Moxley G1 final based on how everything is shaping up right now? And if it happens, what message, if any, does that send?" Um, I think the. Ship is sailed on Kenta getting into the G1 finals. With that loss to Okada, I think that's kind of him done. But Phil does bring up an interesting point about the message that he's sending. Having, quote-unquote, outsiders like Kenta and Moxley book so strongly at the expense of your long-term homegrown talent. So could you talk to us a bit about the pros and cons of doing things like that? Well... I mean, the pros, you're looking right at it, right? You instantly give credibility and st- you build another star instantly. Um, I, I Look, they, they don't have a problem doing that. New Japan's never had a problem doing that. And you can go back to, again, the UWFI feud, right? Uh, which was, you know, and, and the wrestling and romance feud. And, you know, New Japan never has that big of a problem of... of Making a feud uh, look like the, the the invading faction or the invading people are anything but strong, right? It's just the way they do business, and it's smart. I mean, look, I hate to bring WWE back into this, but is there anything more botched than that invasion angle, right? When they had gold in front of them. I mean, remember when Flair first jumped ship from WCW to WWE, WWF, and how everybody was salivating at the idea, and they fucking blew that. Look, I have no faith in the, in the other company. I have all the faith in the world, New Japan. I don't think they buried anybody. I, I think they, they just help elevate and make additional, not even new stars, additional stars, and I think that's a key component. What you have are additional stars, and I don't feel like it's at the expense of the New Japan talent. I really don't. So you don't think this is sending a negative message to, let's say, you know, because he's just lost a guy like Tetsuya Naito, who is there working every tour week in week out, and then is having to put over a short-term foreigner like John Moxley, who 
people think most likely is just going to go back to AEW afterwards. You don't think that's dangerous? Ron, we're looking at him doing a little chest pound and holding the, the world title up in the air at Wrestle Kingdom, then it'll, it all works out in the end. Now, if he's eliminated after tonight, we might be having a different story come next podcast. But as of right now, no. Nah. As of right now, no. All right. Uh, the Spear Tip says, well, listening to you boys talk about Moxley and those G1 matches are of the walk and brawl variety in parts, it made me think back to criticisms of some of Suzuki singles matches, G1 or otherwise, for also being walk and brawls. What if the reason we didn't get Suzuki in the G1 this year is because they wanted to have Moxley in and they didn't want to oversaturate the walk and brawl stuff? I'm not saying that the two guys are equal to each other from an in-ring perspective, but if they're both going to deliver the same sort of match, then maybe they felt one was enough and went with the hot hand added bonus of giving us pissed off Suzuki promos too. People don't want to hear this, but the idea of a 50-something-year-old Suzuki was in G1 really wasn't appealing to Suzuki. That's that's yeah, why he's I'm not. I'm sure that was it. He just he he probably said I don't want to do it this year. Right. Take me out. Right. I mean that's really it. And and listen, it's it, I love Suzuki with all of my heart. But you know you have diminishing returns on Suzuki going a tournament like this. You just do, right? You're going to be disappointed. When you talk about middle, middle G1 Tanahashi, imagine middle Suzuki. Just saying, right? Um, but really what it comes down to is he's not in it because eh, if you want, let's put it this way. If he wanted to be in it, he'd be in it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Joel says, am I missing something when it comes to Moxley matches? I haven't sat down in my recliner drinking my Mexican beer and got all the feels over his matches like I have done for others. I think by this point, if you haven't got on board with the charisma of John Moxley more than anything else, then I don't think you ever will. Because to me, he, he's won me over. His charisma just is just oozing off the screen. Just the way he carries himself and just the little things he does and the promos and everything. I just, I, I get it. I get him. And it's not just the sort of technical quality of the matches. And I think the matches have been really good, but it's the whole package. It's his whole aura for me. Yeah, it's it feels different. It, it is different. Um, yeah, you're not getting... Okada, that's for darn sure. You're you're getting something different. Um, I I get the aura, like he like to me he does feel like a star. He really does. Um, he and it, and it, and it's different, and it feels different. Again, I'm not sitting here with a boner like like you know I would with Okada Osprey, but um, I do look forward to his matches. I can't I can't say that I don't. Um, I think they're I think they're they're good for what they are. I don't I don't I don't have a problem with them at all. I, I think and, and not only that, I think he's been a plus. He's been a solid B plus. Violet Skipping says who's gonna end up doing more matches with New Japan, Kenta or Moxley, and who will have had the more successful run by the time they're done? And we don't know the the status of Kenta. Long term, short term, I don't know. Uh I mean, again, if we are in agreement that AEW is the priority for Johnny, uh, I would think Kenta has a a, a larger opportunity um, to do something and do something well. I, like I said, I still think there's a main event in there um, with Okada, and and 
I, and I think he is instantly credible for any of the secondary titles. So, um, again, right now I would – it really depends on, on how long of a commitment Kenta has with New Japan. But if there is a commitment, I think he's got a little bit more of an opportunity to, to, to make a bigger splash. I agree. I think Kenta seems like the guy who would, I think, by some distance, do more matches than Moxley long term. Uh, KSJ49 says, Why does Gado hate Naito? And RBX2000 says, If Naito somehow comes out of this block, is it Gado's greatest booking masterstroke? Now, we did touch on this before, but yeah, I, I just think this whole thing is maneuvered to, again, it could be famous last words, but I, I think it is specifically designed to have that effect to make everyone give up hope and think oh he's never going to win it this is terrible and then turn it all around have that big redemption arc he loves doing redemption arcs and I think that's what we're getting here and when he's holding that belt up in the Tokyo Dome come January 4th next year I think a lot of people are going to look back and say good job to the booking committee yep yep again when you're up it's a long way down when you're down it's a long way up but uh, hang in there. I just quoted Love and Rockets, by the way. Everyone, thank you. I never thought I would do that, but I just did. All right, Tony says, what about the possibility of Naito winning G1 and vacating the IC title, vying with his sole intention being the IWGP heavyweight champion? No, I don't think so, Tony, because he's been talking nonstop uh, about having two belts, Naito two belts. And so I think that could well be the direction they're going with that. So I don't see him vacating the IC title. To me, if we're going with the storyline, he's uh, traditionally been um, dismissive of the IC title. And now he realized he needs the IC title to help him win the big one. That's my headcanon anyway. I agree. (laughs) Sorry, that was a... uh... That was a weak attempt. We've been going for two hours and 40 minutes. I mean, Jesus Christ. What do you want from us? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you tell me if you want to stop, Damon. I have a few more questions No, we'll here, do. But, um... uh, let's do a few more. Let's do a few more. I'm, I'm good. All right. Uh, John says, if Naito is still going to headline Wrestle Kingdom, is there a way to do it believably if he doesn't win G1, which looks almost impossible at this point? The only way I see it happening is Ishii winning the G1. And since Naito beat him during B-block action, instead of challenging for the Never title... He challenges for the briefcase and wins. Is that doable or is there a better way? Yeah, do you think there's any way that you can have Naito not winning the G1 but winning the briefcase? Because then he would, you'd have to think who could conceivably win the G1 from B block at this point who has um, a claim for a briefcase challenge? So Naito has beaten Goto. Goto's not winning the G1. He's no. been Ishii. I, has Ishii got a shot at winning the G1? Boy, he's got losses to Moxley and Naito. So he's got two losses. You can't rule that out, but I, I don't see it. Just by looking at the Budokan matches. Look at the people um, who've won G1. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it would you, be, put, you, you put an Ishii in there? Cool. I mean, I mean if, be cool. if Ishii wins the G1 and then drops the briefcase to Naito, I, I think that could work, personally. But I don't. You're going through that going video montage package? I mean, he's going to stand out like a suck, fucking sore thumb. I, I hate to say it. Ishii, mm. you know what I mean? You're going through that, 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 that. And it feels like tonight. I'm doing, you know that song? <laughs> it's a fucking terrible song. Um, <laughs> I did my daughtry. Uh, you know, you, you go through that fucking video montage and you see all the winners. Ishii? 
I don't know. It could be Juice. Maybe he beats Juice and then Juice wins the G1 and then uh, Naito beats Juice and nah. Or he beats Jay White and then Jay White wins the G1 and he gets a briefcase off Jay White. But then you can't have Jay White lose that match at Budokan but still go on to the final because, no, I, I don't know. I, I can't see it happening personally. Nope, sorry. All right, uh, Liam says, uh, well, he's got two questions. A, what's been your favourite block, A block or B block? Uh, my favourite, I think, has been A block. I think the match quality's been uh, slightly better. A block, yeah. And the second question, every time a Naito stand cries, I age in reverse out of pure joy. What things bring oh you an goodness. equivalent amount of joy? Um, I, I, I mean, again, I love the, 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 the chemical reaction of great pro wrestling and i love what it does to your body and i love what it makes you feel and i love that it makes you feel alive to me it's like taking drugs it really is um it's euphoric and um it you you know you have energy and you want to do things and you want to talk about it and you want to share it with others that might not understand why you like it and um that 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 I love, and that's why I do this, and that's why because I want, I'm chasing the dragon, <laughs> like like pro wrestling, and especially New Japan, and especially G One, is is Damon chasing that that dragon that high? That's that's what I'm doing. It, I mean, that's that's the best way I can describe it. I'm 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 a fucking junkie that's chasing a fucking high, and every once in a while in G, not even every once in a while, a lot in G One. I got a guy down the street that's got really good stuff. <laughs> right? That's that's what I got right now. So that's 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 what that's what it is. For me, it was seeing Tottenham lose the Champions League final to Liverpool. <laughs> it was more of a sense of relief than anything, but uh, I was definitely an honorary Liverpool fan that night, and just uh, seeing Spurs lose brought me a great amount of joy. So that, <laughs> there's my answer. All right, um, all right uh, Eric says. Uh, had visceral reaction to Naito loss, surprising myself. Help me feel better by telling me a time you were devastated by kayfabe wrestling. Not like as a kid, but while being a fully functioning adult with relationships and responsibilities, still getting swept into depression as a result of a, a wow. pro wrestling kayfabe thing. Huh. Um. Hmm. That's a good one. Um. Like a like a that knocked me for a fucking loop. I mean, it would have to be like a booking decision, though. It would have to be like a like I, I'm not gonna get upset over somebody losing, um, but it would be more along the lines of of things dissolving, I guess. Maybe um, <laughs> I'll tell you what uh, one one that I do vividly remember is um, when they introduced. Paul Roma into the Four Horsemen was like uh, you knew at that moment that uh, oh no I take it back there there is one that I was absolutely I and I was I was le- legitimately like I don't know if I could fucking do this anymore was the night Liger lost the IWGP Junior Title in the in in that uh, was it Hooventude with the tequila bottle and shit. And New Japan didn't recognize the title change. That that f- kind of fucking got me pissed off. And if I'm not 
if I'm not wrong, I remember there was like a thing where Russo was behind the camera, but he was at like the booking desk and Liger was there and he said some offhand, really xenophobic bullshit comment. And I didn't like that. Um, that might have been when that match where that, that tequila bottle bullshit, that was one moment where I was like, Mother, I don't know if I can watch this shit anymore. So that, that, there's your answer. I can't really think of anything that's really upset me. I re- remember being terribly disappointed. Remember there was that Royal Rumble where Nakamura won the Men's Royal Rumble and Asuka won the Women's Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. And I started getting excited about WWE again. I thought, yes, they're actually going to be good now. And then both of them just lost clean as a whistle at uh, WrestleMania and then just disappeared. How about uh, that AJ match? How about that AJ yeah. Nakamura match? Wasn't that one of those ones where you're just like, whoa, what? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, boy, that, I, that, that one I vividly remember just sitting there like, how did, how, how did that happen? How, how the fuck did that get fucked up? Yeah, that was one of them. Okay. All right. Um, one more. One more. Sam says, we've been all saying Osprey is a lock for the rest of the year. Any chance Moxley could come from nowhere to pip him? So far, he's had awesome matches and the list here with the Shield at Fastlane. I didn't watch that one. With Juice at Best of Super Juniors Final. Joey Janela at Fighter Fest at the G1 with Ishii, Shingo and Naito. Still has a Juice rematch and Omega match coming up, plus everything else that hasn't been revealed. He's also making cultural waves. So what do you say to John Moxley's claim for rest of the year? Well, to me, Will, I, and it might be style of match, you know, Will, Will just checks all the boxes for me right now. Um, and, and it's consistent, and it's in big spots. I, I, I think if you put the, both those matches head, like, you know, you, you had a, the, your Excel spreadsheet and you kind of listed them, you know, head-to-head with each other, I think, to me, Will's performances. Completely, I can't say completely outshine Moxley's. They're different, but uh, again, uh, look, it's not just us. It's it's a lot of people that are and and a lot of people that I respect that have watched a lot of pro wrestling, not only current but in the past. That you know, they're all pointing their finger at Will and just mesmerized, and 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 it's unbelievable what he's able to to, to do. Um, I think you could put Moxley in that conversation. I don't think that's bad, but to me, Will is right now the wrestler of the year with probably, you know, Moxley in that short list, Kenta Miyahara in that short list, um, Shingo in that list, Okada. You know, we keep forgetting Okada. Let's 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 not let's not forget Okada and put him in that in that mix, uh, who about, who also is having what, what, an outstanding G one. What do you think about Kaito Kiyomiya at this point? I mean, you in the conversation? Yeah, some people have said that he's their wrestler year so far. He's in the conversation. There's plenty of people you could put in the conversation that logically, yes, absolutely. Um, look, is there is there a New Japan bias with this podcast? There could be, there could be, but I'm not gonna. But I've always said. That if, if if a person is having a great year and a great match, 
we're going to talk about it, and it's going to, you know, I'm going to watch it at the very least. Um, I just think the, I just think in the big spot on a big stage and on a on a. To me, it's will. To me, it's will. I'm sorry. Right now, it is anyway. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, feel, I feel bad. Like, I feel like I had to defend that really hard. Um, no, listen, this is the popular choice. And I think the end of year awards will bear that out. And I'm not burying or, or ridiculing anyone who has got a different rest of the year because it's purely uh, a personal choice. What I am saying to people who disagree with Will Ospreay, who don't think he's rest of the year, fine. Of course you're entitled to your opinion, but you are going to be the outlier here. Most people but, are going to disagree with you. Not to say that you're wrong, but right. you're, you're on... Yeah. But here's you're what I do mind. like about that, though. But here's... I will say this about that. I like the fact that there are people out there watching pro wrestling that might not be the most widely known and the most popular that are on a hill and they're saying, hey... People, watch this guy. Watch this match, right? I That I absolutely appreciate because and, – and here's the thing too. I want those people to be loud because those, those people and those voices need to be heard to help grow pro wrestling overall. Like, the last thing I want is something like New Japan to just swallow up other promotions. And sometimes those smaller promotions, and, you know, All Japan isn't a small promotion, but let's be honest here, they're not what they were, right? I think we can all kind of agree with that. Um, NOAA isn't what it was. Big Japan isn't, you know. These, these voices and these people that will scream at the top of their lungs that, and again, sometimes it's at the detriment of no. Will Ospreay's not the wrestler of the year. It's it's you know whomever. Uh, those voices are good. As 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 sometimes like you look and then you're like oh you don't like again I've said before when you don't put Will in the conversation that's where I have the problem. You can think other people are are your wrestler of the year right. But you gotta sit there and be like, yeah, he's had a fucking great year. But I really think it's 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 Kento Miyahara right now because of this match and Champions Crown. And the, you know what I mean? Like to me, I, I appreciate that more than just oh, Will Ospreay sucks. Ah, he's fucking bumping. Okay, pump the brakes. Um, but again, getting back to my point, I like the fact that there are people out there that are on a hill saying, hey, everybody over here that's watching Will Ospreay, if you like that stuff, I, I got some really great pro wrestling over here too that you that you'll probably like. Um, if you give it a shot. That I appreciate. Yeah, totally agree. And people who have been, for example, uh, flying the flag for Dragon Gate and yep. encouraged me to watch some Dragon Gate. Uh, well, I started watching Dragon Gate last year and have loved it. And it's been tremendous. And uh, Kobe World was one of my favorite wrestling shows of the year. It's tremendous. That uh, Twin Gate tag team three-way elimination match. It's one of my matches of the year. It's incredible. Yeah. And just the drama in that main event, there is a tremendous pro wrestling out there. Like Pro wrestling doesn't begin and end with New Japan. So there's excellent stuff out there if you broaden your horizons. 100% agree. All right. Let's wrap it up then. 
join our discords join the conversation great debates going on there you can find the link to that in our show notes buy one of our t-shirts prowrestlingtees.com forward slash superjcast massive thanks as always to editor Dan you can visit his YouTube channel 219 Films see him on Twitter his band at Escape the Box UK you can subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling podcast network give us a five snake review and some kind words on iTunes follow us on Twitter at superjcast thanks everyone for listening and goodbye goodbye